This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Impact Tactical. Impact is a tactical outfitter for the men and women of our military, police, fire departments, and other public safety around the country. Impact's core beliefs is that fearless men and women protect our freedom and safety, should have access to the best tactical performance apparel, equipment, and tools on the market. And they shouldn't have to go broke to get it. I've used Impact for about 11 years, and I can attest that they do live up to their core values. So you get a personal recommendation from me. You can find them at impacttactical.com. That's M-P-A-K tactical.com. And be sure to tell them that two cops, one donut sent you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HRH Combat Arms. They can turn your vision into reality. They specialize in gunsmithing and Cerakoting. Your Cerakote specialist is Air Force veteran and retired police sergeant Paul Ware, a.k.a. the Sarge. He can Cerakote your firearms, auto parts, tools, even your sports equipment. This veteran-owned business is located at 5025 Saunders Suite, 103, Fort Worth, Texas, 76119. You can call them at 682-304-0363, and you can find them online at www www.hrhcombatarms.com That's www.hrhcombatarms.com All right, welcome back. This is your host, Eric Levine, and this is Two Cops, One Donut, with my special superstar guest for once, Suresh from 221B Tactical. If anybody out there is an officer and they have wore the dry vest or they have used 221B Tactical gloves or more recently I've learned about their new jeans. They've got all these different products. They are for first responders. They were designed by a first responder. And that is the man, the myth, the legend here with me today. Suresh, how you doing, buddy? Awesome. Thanks for having me. This is amazing. This is amazing. You're like the biggest star I've had on the show. I mean, I did have Jay Novacek. Jay Novacek. I mean, from the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, he was, a, I think he was a tight end for the Dallas yes. Cowboys. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had him on. Uh, he's got his own whiskey, actually. Oh, nice. Novacek 84. I think that was his number, yeah. too. So, yeah. Um, That's funny, because last night I met Jason Witten and DeMarco Murray. Oh, dang. Dude, yeah. you met a lot of people last, last night. Last night was insane, hence why I was late. <laughs> <laughs> so Suresh came in for the UFC fight uh, in the DFW area, and he had told me he was coming in. He's like, hey, we'd like to get on your podcast. Suresh and I, we've um, we've met up before, got his company involved with uh, police recruits that I was training, actually. Um I had become such a fan of his dry vest that I was like, man, cops need to know about this thing. It really does help in the Texas heat, um, especially working on bikes. I was a bike officer, bicycle, bicicleta, um, pedaling, not a motorcycle. Everybody's like, oh, you rode motors? I'm like, no, no, no I pedaled. I was uh, 21 Jump Street style. <laughs> so, um, but the dry vest was, I, I refused to be one of those old cops that like, didn't wear their vest because they were sweating so bad. Yeah. And there's a lot of those guys still out there that ride bikes. They're like, I'm not wearing a vest. I'm like, you insane. crazy. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. God, imagine trying to explain that to my wife. Well, he probably would have been fine had he had his vest on. <laughs> he wanted to stay cool. Yeah, exactly. So now he's staying dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I got, uh, I got, I found out about the dry. I don't even remember how I found out about it. I just remember I was sweating so bad on that bike. And I was like, I need something. I think I just started researching and I found out about dry vest and I think I had the 1.0. Yeah. 
I you think guys, did. And you guys are up to what, four now? Four. Yeah. yeah with so. five on the horizon. Dang. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And this is not a product push plug, I promise you guys. Um, but I've everybody that listens to my show knows that if I'm backing something is because I truly believe in it and I buy into it and I use it. Um and the dry vest let it, like if that was the only thing your company offered, that alone is is a God, it's a lifesaver. Not literal lifesaver, but oh, just makes you so much more comfortable. Uh, it could be a lifesaver if it you if could it, if it if it causes you to wear your vest opposed yes. to not wear your vest and then yes. you get shot, which we've had stories of that, then then it is a lifesaver. That's true. You know. And heat exhaustion and all that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the dry like I said, the dry vest, it's badass. So not pushing products on y'all. That's not wasn't the point. Suresh is he's a just a great conversationalist. Um, prior law enforcement too. So yeah. that it's, he's a subject matter expert when it comes to that stuff. Um, how long have you been out of the cop game real quick? Out since 2016. Okay. Yeah. Not terribly long. You no. still, you still might have a little bit. I wouldn't trust you in patrol, but no, well, <laughs> I just, mess you, with. you don't want to trust me. You don't want to trust me in admin. You're either have me on patrol back, especially now that I've done the training I've done with some of these oh, ninjas yeah. out there. You've seen some of the training I've yeah. done. I thought I like knew something. I like, I thought I knew something when I was on patrol Yeah, and I was firearms instructor, but it was not until I got out of police work and started training with some of the seals and the Rangers and yeah. some of these dudes that I realized I knew nothing and cops are like, grossly undertrained. It, it actually it scared me how little i knew that i was running around out there as a cop pretending i mean not no not pretending thank you sir thank you bartender yes sir um that i felt i knew and that's probably the most dangerous thing that uh you can have is someone doing a job with knowledge that they believe is the right knowledge and they're yeah. and they're acting based on that knowledge because that's what they've been taught and they're trained but the reality is that is not and it would like get them killed so i'm just fortunate that where i worked we didn't have too many of those situations that were that sketchy and that hairy that would have you know put us in a compromised position yeah but had i been working somewhere like that and more of those situations came up, it would have probably been really bad, not only for me, but my coworkers who were also very, very poorly trained. Yeah. Well, before we get too deep in the woods, salud. Salud. We are drinking a smoke wagon reserve. I got the good stuff for this man. So he's a bourbon guy too. Tell me what you think of that, sir. It's nice. It's, um, it's clean. And, um, it's fairly, it's, I gotta tell you, it's fairly soft. You know, I, um, we were talking when I got here, the problem with drinking Pappy is it completely <laughs> yeah, different level. ruins you. <laughs> that's a different level. It would be like the first girl you ever dated being a supermodel. Uh, right. Yeah. And then like, then you break up yep. and then like from that point on, yeah. A supermodel like, and down to earth. And cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like supermodel in phenomenal shape and also like drinks beer and eats pizza and like watches yeah. like the UFC with you. Can like kill a deer and skin it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everything. Oh, yeah. Like everything. Yeah. Everything. And then next thing you know, like it doesn't <laughs> yeah. work out and you're like, damn. Yeah. Everything the, else the, afterwards. The poor girl next is like. 
like what are we what am i going up against hold on a second right you know so uh yeah so i you know people are like so what do you like and i'm like well like listen like pappy came after the success before that i was like drinking like you know smearing off ice you know <laughs> So, <laughs> I wouldn't say it too loud. So, <laughs> Hold on one second. I'm concerned about this camera. I just want to sure. check it real quick. Yeah. There we go. I just want to make sure your beautiful face is in there, sir. Oh, I couldn't pants, quite yeah. see you in the frame as oh. well as I thought. So, uh, oh, by the way, I just want to give a shout out. Um, so, I knew Suresh was coming, and I also have um, Chad Prather's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a comedian. He ran for governor of Texas. Um, very vocal about supporting police, military, stuff like that. Um, he's actually a part of the Patriot Owned Business uh, awesome. uh, Association. So um, he's he's just a, a good dude. Um, he's a little controversial at times, so I'm going to have him on. He's got like a million plus followers. I knew you did too, so I'm like, I didn't want to record you I, I wanted you know i wanted the gear to, yeah. to 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 be right and um i had asked suresh i was like hey dude you know i was like this is what's going on i just want you to know i was like i'm recording with a couple ipads and i got a camera he's like dude that's no good we got to get you upgraded i was like all right so he was offering to get me upgraded but before he could another organization um they didn't give me permission to say their name so i'm not going to give them props fully but they know who they are, and they donated two new cameras. So yeah, so now we got all matching cameras, and I've been. This is my first time recording with all of them together at the same time. So I was making sure everything was set up proper. So I apologize for the small interruption, but that's what makes the podcast fun. This is this is legit. This is actually pretty cool. I like this setup, and we're gonna get you with the the proper uh, the proper board that we talked about over okay. there, and we'll take all care right. of that. You the man. Yeah, man. Yeah, get you, get you proper with that. That'll be that'll be fun because this is this is gonna be big, man. I know it. I have a feeling. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, it is called Two Cops One Donut. Yes. Um, and my buddy that started out with me, everybody's like, "Where's the second cop?" Like, I never had an official second person. I just had a a buddy that was helping me at the beginning, but we lived too far apart. Like, okay. we just couldn't make it so he was on every episode with me. So I always try to get a second person, but. All too often, it ends up being just me yeah. and then whoever my guest is. And that's typically a cop, but it's not always a cop. So people are always like, well, who's the second cop? Who's that? And I'm like, well, I don't have one. But, Suresh, since you are now officially a part of the membership, um, whenever you want, we can do remotes. I know you don't live in Texas. Yeah. But if we have some sort of topic that would be fun and you do want to touch on, you know, especially I know you're big into training and gear and stuff yeah. like that. Like, dude, I'll give you a call and we can do a remote one and then we'll just have opinions absolutely i kind of you know i know the remote thing works out with everything that's been going on the last couple years and like zoom and stuff like that but and i know you've been offered that but like you know i said i want to fly in yeah you know i want to fly in so that's why you're such a good dude yeah like you you were like i'm like did you know my podcast has like maybe you know 800 subscribers on youtube he's like so He's yeah. like, we'll get those numbers up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't, you know, you get to start somewhere. You know, I yeah. started two two one B in my garage, in my garage that didn't have heat. Ugh, you know, in and, New Jersey, in New Jersey, and it was <sighs> like it was rough. And like, you know, I 
that's the the beginnings and we all start somewhere you know now it's we're in like we were like happy to sell like like 10 vests you know and now like we're i don't know 80 countries you know over 260 retail locations worldwide you know headquarters in new york city which is that's another story um you know so you're like people are like man like you know the million multi-million dollar company and it's like overnight success and like yeah overnight success overnight success yeah almost a decade and like i was like while i was on patrol hustling Mm -hmm. on the nights and my time off and things like that and those are things that people don't see but if you want to get to that point like you know and like now like you look and you're like you know what are the things you want to do for your life you know, you want to, you know, the main thing is always, you know, put food on your table, take care of your family and yeah. don't have concerns. You know, that's what most cops want. And I would see guys like hustling, fighting for overtime, you know, running to the overtime board when road jobs came up and bumping people. And there was like some f- fights and anger about that. But, it, you know, it yeah. was never anything personal. People just want like they need more money. You know, we're living in a tough time. Yep. And I didn't want to I didn't want to ever have those concerns. You know, I grew up poor. So when it came time to hustle to build a business, I was like, man, nothing's going to stop me. You yeah. Know? And so how, where, where did you grow up at? How did you, how, what led you down that path to law enforcement? Oh man. I like stumbled upon it. I had no business going to law enforcement. I, uh, you know, I grew up with the, my mom is from India and in the Asian culture, you, um, like if you're not a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, you're a loser. Oh no. Yeah. So like, it was like doctor all the way for me. So, uh, after I graduated high school, I got into a, you know, a medical program and, um, was uh, long story short, started at, at university in Florida and then went to New York city. And, uh, it was like, uh, five years in or four and a half years in, it's like an accelerated program, whatever. And, um, uh, nine 11 happened. And after 9-11 happened, I was like, oh, man. Like, And I was in New York City. and uh, When it went down? I Yeah, I lived in New York when 9-11 happened. How old were you? Um, Jeez, maybe uh, 21. Okay. Maybe? Yeah, maybe like 21. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to do the math. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was like kind of crazy. It was like a, it was a wild thing. And... Um, you know, uh, instantly I was like, you know, angry. And I, and I say like most like red blooded American men who are patriots, you know, but I realized that, well, maybe that was the case back then, but definitely not the case today. But, um, like if it happened today, I'd be like concerned about how many men would step up, you know, but, uh, I think it would unite us. I think it would do, you know, yeah, I I think it would do the same thing it did then. I, I don't know because, you know, nowadays it's like different. Like, you know, nowadays I'm afraid to like, you know, I'm afraid to say the term a few good men because like I'm afraid someone's going to like jump down my throat and be like, it's a few good they. Yeah, them. it's a few to good them. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, hold on. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. so it's like we're just in a different time and it's almost like it just like makes your head hurt. But, um, yeah, I felt like at the time, like most guys I knew, were, I was like, man, I want to join the military. I want to, like, go, like, get the guys that did this. That was in my mind. And um, I went to, like, a Navy recruiter and got all the information. And a friend of mine I went to high school with, a good dude, 
uh, named Justin. I had heard that he had gone to the Navy and uh, he actually went to the Naval Academy out of high school and um, had become a SEAL. So I was like, man, that's what I want to do. Man, I had read the book, the, you know, Richard Marcenko book, Rogue Warrior. I had it. I read it. I was like, man, that's it. That's what I want to do, you know. And um, so that's what I was going to do. I was going to, you know, join the Navy, become a SEAL and go like, you know, fight the people who did this, you know. And um, I went home and told my mom, like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And, you know, she's a single mom. You know, I never had a dad a day in my life. You know, he left uh, my mom a few months before I was born, never met him. Um, And so I had two older sisters and she was like, yeah, no, no, you're not joining the military. You know, you're not going to like kill terrorists. She's like, I'll kill you. You know, <laughs> you know Damn, so, yeah, she was like, no joke. And she's like five foot nothing. And like, you know, she's like, yeah, no, no, I'll kill you. So she's <laughs> like, I can't lose my only son and my baby boy, you know? Right. So she's like, you're meant to be a doctor. You're not meant to go be out there like, you know, with a gun shooting people and, you know, whatever, getting killed. So, um, so I kind of just was floating around for a little bit, doing a little bit of this, doing a little bit of that and not knowing what to do. And, I graduated, um, and, um, you know, I was studying biochemistry, physics, you know, uh, advanced mathematics. What? Yeah. So, um, what were you going to be a world domination? <laughs> world I want to be a surgeon. Yeah. I want to be a surgeon. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. Dude, so that's I, some deep stuff. Yeah. So I wanted to be a surgeon. I want, I always wanted to go into like, you know, either, pediatric surgery or neurosurgery because those are the most like challenging you know you would have been like dr strange i don't know man i have no idea i don't know what (laughs) i could have been you know and i I think about it a lot sometimes my mom always my mom still reminds me she's like you could have been the best surgeon and i'm like yeah but you know i got a pretty good company now mom the company's pretty successful and she's like yeah but you could have been this great and i'm like oh my goodness so Uh, do you think she was measuring greatness based on the prestige of the name versus the people you actually help because i think and this is just me but in law enforcement or in what you did with law enforcement in the company think of how many people you helped i don't think you could have helped that many people no but that doesn't matter to like in the and anyone from the indian culture asian culture listening to this right now uh knows that that doesn't matter really it actually doesn't even matter about your happiness. Um, it just matters of you're doing a career that is of prestige that brings good, you know, prestige to the family and the family name. And, uh, that's it. It's a prestigious job. Whether you are miserable in doing that job, it doesn't matter, you know, and how many people you help and all that stuff. No, it's just like, you got to have the prestige of being, you know, Dr. Madhaven. That's it. That's it. You know, and I have no doubt if I had gone into surgery and, you know, I, you know, the way I am, I'm like, you know, OCD. And if I put my mind towards something, I want to be the best. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to be the best. And um, I, so I have no doubt I would have been a successful surgeon, yeah. you know, and, you know, neurosurgery, pediatric surgery, whatever, you know, I, it's not, you know, those are, those are serious professions where you're saving people's lives. And that's where, that's a position I want to be in. I always want to be the person that like, and like, you know, Michael Jordan said, when there's a few seconds left on the clock and I we're down by two, I want the ball, yeah. you know? So, um, I kind of just always had that mindset. I always had that mentality. So, um, yeah. So I, uh, ended up because I couldn't go into the military. I 
behind my mom's back went and said, I'm going to become a police officer. At the time, my best friend was a cop. He had just gotten to the police uh, field. I think he was working at a county college at that time, maybe, before he you know, he ultimately moved up. Were you still around 21 years old? Yeah, yeah, okay. I was around 21 years old still. So um, uh, I started like looking at police departments and things like that. And I don't know how it was, but I came across this town that it was like more like southern Jersey, like Jersey Shore area that uh, was called Wall Township. And uh, everyone told me, oh, my gosh, the guys at Wall are like incredible they're all in like phenomenal shape the department's very militaristic and they have the best equipment they have the best salary in the state they have this that and everything like they were like the the ideal department and i kind of was like oh i remember that town i remember that um you know growing up when you would go down to the beach or the shore in jersey that was a town that like everyone said don't speed through that town oh, yeah. don't like you know don't do anything wrong when you drive through that town because the cops there will like write their mom and uh, you know a ticket we got that department right next to where i live do you yeah dal worthington garden don't don't mess with them that's yeah, yeah in pantigo they're they're a department that is like a square mile but they're in between arlington fort worth and dallas like they're there's like this tiny little island in, in major cities and they write more tickets than all those cities combined. No kidding. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's kind I of, I don't mess with them. Yeah. And even, even <laughs> cops were worried about yeah. driving through, you know, it, that and, goes to tell you, right. Mm-hmm, <laughs> that goes to tell you, you know, so, uh, funny enough, like a couple of years after I got uh, on, uh, there was a situation where chief outgoing chief and incoming chief, it was just being about to be sworn in and things like that. And, uh, one of our guys stopped him for drunk driving and locked him up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, a, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, listen, you know, the, what I went through as a cop at the department I was at was an eye opening experience into what police work really is like. And I always say that if the average American citizen knew what happens behind closed doors and knew the inner workings of most police departments, they would like, they would die. But it's no different than like government. Like if the average American citizen knew what really happens behind the scenes in Washington, D.C. with politics and lobbying and money being exchanged and things like that, they would just lose their mind. Yeah. I think that's true for every business. I really do. Every place I've ever worked, restaurants, growing up, Mm-hmm. There's these internal politics and there's this favoritism and there's this now, obviously you're not holding a restaurant to the same standards you need to hold your police departments to. And I, that's a fair argument. I'm not making that, but I think people's level of shock, if they just keep it in perspective a little bit, wouldn't be so high if they considered like what they see at their own place of business from a day to day stance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it goes, you can even go one step, let me say, lower than that is most of us don't even know what's going on in our neighbor's house. Right. Right. So we yeah. look at our neighbors and they have a new car. They got like, you know, they're doing a, like an addition or a renovation or something. And there's stuff going on. And you see the, you know, you see the facade on the outside of your neighbor's house. And, you know, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. There could be child abuse, domestic abuse. You you have no idea what's going on. Human trafficking. Yeah. I've you, seen a lot of that. You never know. Like one of our guys that we worked with 
his sister's husband while we were on patrol, while we we're on duty, got locked up for like child pornography. Ooh. You know, and yeah. I had been to this dude's house before. And like, so, and he li- didn't live too far away from me. Like, he lived like a couple of miles away. Yeah. I'd been to his house at some point randomly for a barbecue. And like, you just never know. Yeah. So, when it comes to like behind the scenes of a bit, like, you know, yeah, you know, we've all, well, you and I have. We've all had the alarm call at like the restaurant that like we used to go to, to eat. And then like one night on the midnight shift, you get an alarm call and then you like have to like go through the kitchen and you look at the kitchen and you're like, and you're like, I'm never you're eating here never again. Roaches running. <laughs> yeah. Out. You're like, like I'm never yeah. eating here again. You know? So we've all had it. Yeah. So it's like, you know what do you, you know, you open that kimono and like pull back <laughs> the veil and you're yeah. like, holy, but that it goes, it literally, it starts at. Yeah. The, the it starts in your driveway when you're looking around from your driveway your neighbors that's you, a fucking perfect point you never know Bro, i had it happen to me um i vouched at a police department that i was leaving for basically my replacement who was my um i guess it would be sister-in-law's like step-sister-in-law i guess mm-hmm. it's something like that um at her time at the time it was her fiance i think okay um Military dude. He was a veteran. Like he had just separated. And, and so um, he was a cop in the military. So on paper, like good to go. I met the guy a few times. Nice guy. Mm-hmm. Knows all the right things to say. So I vouch for him. Yeah, dude. They hire him. Awesome. Yeah. It was like six months in. They're like, I was getting calls like almost three months in, but from, from people that I had used to work with, they're like, what's with this guy? I'm like, and I told him, I was like, I don't know him, know him. I was like, and I told him just what I told you. It's like, I'm, he seems fine. I was like, you know, he's going to be in my family. I don't know what to do. Turns out he was looking at kitty porn. No. At work. Oh. Yeah. God. Yeah. Crazy. Dude, I have only put my name out there two times yeah. for people to get jobs. And both times I got burned. No both. kidding. Both times. That was the worst one. The I other can't one. Ima- yeah, I can't imagine the other dude just never followed through, which oh. is that's. Neither here nor there. That, that that happens, but um, but yeah, I put I put my my name up there, and they burn that name the right the fuck up. So. And, and that's why it's always dangerous doing that, yeah. you know, because you, it's age old saying you never really and know somebody, no clue, no clue. Now, obviously, that dude's ousted, gone. Um, I don't know if that if that police department charged him. I think there was some kind of hang up where they couldn't one hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Get nail something. him, yeah. But something. yeah, um, I would have had no qualms with him going to jail. I said fuck him, but yeah, dude, you're right. We never, we never know, and and that's kind of one of the points that I'm making about like, yes, I think people would be surprised. It's just the trick is how do you get them to put it in perspective? Like, don't give me that. Oh my god, I can't believe that that's how it is, and that's like, really, like. It, it it happens in all facets of where we're at. And yeah. like you said, it starts in the driveway. So this shows about building bridges and, and, and stuff like that with first responders in the community. And that's the type of perspective I would hope to have that understanding. Like, yes, this may be something that does surprise you, but just keep an open mind and be, uh, keep that perspective of, okay, this really does happen everywhere. You know, yeah. there's favoritism. There's, you know, uh, a buddy breaks a rule at work and you overlook it, you know, versus breaking a law. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not going to cover up if you break the law. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um, Sounds coming in funny. I agree. Can you push that mic cord all the way in the back? Maybe it's loose. Talk again. You there? There it goes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That weird. See, that's yeah, why the headphones are yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah that was weird. I, yeah, I, heard I think it. the back of the mic just came loose a little bit. That's You're the second guest that's happened to. I need to get that cord switched out, I think. Yeah, it might be the, the angle of the cord. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I think that when we look at some of the incidents that have happened over the last you know few years um you have people almost like shocked at what they're seeing with police departments they're you know and the reality is the average person doesn't know the level of training that the average cop gets you yeah know? and that they they just have this assumption yeah that someone who is in a uniform carrying a gun driving a police car they assume that they're an expert jeff gordon jimmy johnson level <laughs> driver yeah so they were aging ourselves because i know both those races right. and i don't think they race Neither anymore of them don't race <laughs> anymore um and yeah. like and they drive that well you know, right. let me let me say for the F one fans, Max Verstappen or you know one of those guys. Okay, now and, you lost me. Oh, F one. Oh, you got to get into F one. I'll get you to F one. Okay. It's a change your life. Um, and or Lewis Hamilton, and you, they just assume they assume that that's a level of skill of driving. Um, and when it comes to firearms and shooting, they assume that he's wearing a uniform, he's carrying a gun. He must be John Wick. Yeah, he must be. Yeah. He must be John Wick. Yeah. Or Colian Noir. Yeah, right? So, Shout out, Colian. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, but that's just not true. Yeah. That's not true. If they saw the level of, just on the basis of driving instruction yeah. and firearms instruction, that the average police officer gets, it's, like, almost, like, shocking. Yeah. So, if they knew that, then they wouldn't say things like, why didn't the officer shoot the guy in the leg that yeah. was running at him full speed with a machete? Yeah. Why didn't they, he just shoot him in the kneecap? Because that officer can't hit a paper target right. when there's no pressure on him. Right. And like, <laughs> and truth be told, yeah. some of, I was just at the six hour grand opening and I'm with oh. Max Michelle. I'm with Lena Michalek and some of the best shooters in the world I've trained with JJ Rikaza, you name it. Sig's got my favorite rifle. Which I think one? it's the Rattler. I just got one. You motherfucker. Oh, my God. Oh. I hate you. 300 blackout. Yes. Oh. That's my favorite gun. With the can coming in. Oh. oh integrally sub suppressed. You motherfucker. Come God. on, man. You know, you got to come on down to my place. I got uh, all the toys. We'll go dude. out. We'll have fun. Come on. So, um... <laughs> Yeah, so, and that's funny because everyone I've like told about, I don't tell many people, but most people told, they're like, you got one? You got, because it's impossible to get yeah. the 300 black. So, um, but most people don't know just how poorly cops are trained. And I'm with some of these high level shooters and they're some of the best in the world. They train every day. They compete. That's their job to shoot and be accurate and be fast. And they couldn't. They would have trouble shooting someone in the kneecap that's running at them. Yeah. You know, so, but they don't know that. The yeah. average person, it, no disrespect, is so ignorant to the realities of, because the average person, let me say, never has shot a gun. 
doesn't shoot guns. So they don't know, but they think, oh, a cop, he's wearing a uniform. He has a, he has a gun on him. He yeah. must be like a ninja. Yeah. You know, he should be able to. Yeah. He should yeah. be. Is able. that an unreasonable expectation? A hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. Because if you say the best shooter in the world who just spent, wakes up and starts shooting and then goes to, until like he goes to sleep and it would be hard for that person to do that. Well, then you got to expect that like the guy who shoots twice a year for quals is not even close. Right. You know, so, but they don't know that. Yeah. So I think a lot of the misconceptions uh, around police officers and police work is born from lack of knowledge. It's mm-hmm. just pure lack of knowledge. And I don't know why that's not put out there because if it's put out there, then people have a better expectation yes of and they have a better hold of the reality of the situation like no one the average person would never look at a seven-year-old toddler and if a seven-year-old toddler was not like you know uh shaking hands and saying yes ma'am yes sir and you know putting the dishes in the dishwasher and no one would ever look at that child and be like why is that child doing that like, cause they, they or their expectation is the child's a toddler. Right. It doesn't know those things yet. It hasn't been taught those things yet. It's, it's a child, you yeah. know? So there is no expectation of that. The expectation of that is when that child is now an adult. And if that adult is now not doing those things that you believe at that point, they should know how to do. Um, then it's like, oh, wait, hold on. Something's wrong here. Like, what's going on here? Why isn't this person adjusted to society and something's, then they notice something's off, Yeah, you know? So, um, with police work, it's totally, it's the totally same. And I think they should just be more upfront about the training we do get, the training we don't get and the reality of what we have to deal with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, one of the things I like to point out to people is, there is such a vast difference in training across the nation, state to state, city to city, when it comes to just, let's just go with basic recruit training. Mm -hmm. I have seen academies that are six weeks long, six weeks because the person coming in had military training. Wow. Now I can tell you, I am a military police officer still, still in, I'm a military cop and I'm a cop. I will tell you up front that just because you're in the military does not mean you know how to be a cop. Now, if you are a military police officer, you have a good head start, you know, better Mm -hmm. than most. Yeah. So, um, you know, even the army, the, the Navy coast guard, um, they've all got really good police programs. I can't speak on the Marines. I'm not trying to leave you all out. I just, have never seen Marine police training, Um, but I have seen police for army coast guard, and uh, the Navy, as well as I'm in the Air Force. Uh, great training. Does it mean you're ready for the streets? No, but you got a good head start. Yeah. Um, so you mean to tell me you're going to bring this dude in and give him a six-week academy and then expect him to go out there and succeed? Like, you set him up for failure. Yep. And then you got other academies that are the the far extreme the other way, 10 month, ten months academy. Mm-hmm. That Where I'm at, it's 10 months. It was eight. Now it's 10. We've extended Wow. Amazing. I love it. I, I think that's what it should be. I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just in that, 
the, the, look at the difference, the, the type of product you're going to get. And then when people look at a uniform and expect the type of level that you're talking about, what are their examples? LAPD, NYPD, Baltimore, um, Chicago. I'm, I'm, I'm naming all these departments that you see all the time. They got all this exposure. Yeah. And, you know, like LAPD, that's the, that's the formula for the professional cop. Like, you know, like that's, that's the appearance that they have because they've got that system down, but they're out there all the time. People see them. Yeah. Um, and they have a, one of the largest departments in the world. So that's their example. And then they're coming out and they're holding, you know, podunk Alabama, no offense, Alabama, I'm just throwing something out there. Uh, they're holding this city that, you know, one of their officers comes out. He was a veteran. He gets in through a six week Academy. Then he go out and he, he blasts somebody and, or this is not even go that extreme. He's violating somebody's rights because he stopped and searched their car illegally. Yep. That's his training. He doesn't know any better on yep. the base. He could stop any car he wanted. Mm-hmm. He was under the U UCMJ. Mm-hmm. So all he had to do is say, well, something's hinky about that car. We're on the base. I'm doing a random anti-terrorism measure and I'm going to pull that car over to make sure that they're all squared away and they can do that. Yeah. Yeah. But now you got him going out on the street and you gave him a six week Academy and he's pulling people over almost with that same mentality. Cause he doesn't know any better. Yeah. And he thinks he's doing right. Mm-hmm. That sucks. It's not fair either. That's not fair. Yeah. It's not fair. And I think that, you know, even when it comes to motor vehicle stops, most people get, most civilians get their knowledge of what's allowed on a motor vehicle stop from like Facebook or YouTube <laughs> yeah. or whatever. They have no idea. Yeah. They have no idea what's allowed. I don't have to get out of the car. Yeah. That's my favorite. I know my rights. No, you don't actually. <laughs> you don't know your rights. You probably couldn't even tell me like, you probably couldn't answer three questions on the test that yeah. when people want to come, you know, and become, generally speaking, we're not generally speaking, yes. the average American would fail the citizenship citizenship test that uh, you know immigrants coming to this country for and they're looking for yeah. citizenship that test they have to take that that like someone did that someone yeah. did that video right I would probably fail it it's it's crazy yeah. it's crazy the the questions they ask you and someone went around asking U S citizens not and not like kids like adults yeah asking the same and questions people, people like no one was getting it right yeah you know so. And then you have those same people saying, I know my rights for a traffic stop. No, you, you don't. You know, yeah. that's the reality of it. You don't. Yeah. And, but it's even more dangerous when the cop doesn't. Yes. It's even more yeah. dangerous. So, you know, there's, there's an issue there and, you know, we don't, we don't ever talk about it, but you know, there should be more, let me say extensive training when it comes to what cops can do, what cops can't do when it comes to motor vehicle stops, you know, that's, you know, a couple times a year in service training, things like that. But that should be, that should be improved. That should be a little bit more extensive as well. But once again, I don't know why we don't provide more education to the general public about like, cause I've gone to other countries and in other countries, I feel like they do a better job of letting the citizens and the public know what the rules are, what the police can do, what you have to do when the police stop you, and what is going to happen to you if you don't comply by these rules. I, in many other countries, they make it abundantly clear. Mm-hmm. But in the United States... 
it's very vague. So you, you're leaving citizens to kind of watch Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and TikTok to figure out like what their rights are on a motor vehicle stop. But the reality is it should be the government, whether it's the state government or the county government or even the local township government or, you know, the federal government. I don't even know on, on, on a larger scale telling people, hey, guys, listen, this is what happens when you get pulled over. You are detained by definition. You're detained when you are. As soon as those lights come on. Right. You are detained. And so that would eliminate probably 5 million YouTube videos where the douchebag is like, (laughs) officer, am I being detained? Like, yeah. You were detained like as soon as you pulled over. As soon as you pulled over with the (laughs) lights, like as soon as I turned my lights on, that was an indication for you to pull over. You're being detained. Yeah. So that right there. So people, the, 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 the idiot saying, am I being detained? Like that would be completely erased. Now, if the government just came out and said, listen, when an officer puts their lights on mm-hmm. and is pulling you over, you are being detained. Yeah. And per the federal local, whatever guidelines you're detained until that officer says you are free to go. So let's problem solve here. Um, would it be a good idea? I think it would be. So I'll lead with this. I think this would be a good idea. We use social media. Again, that's the point of this podcast is mm-hmm. learning how for first responders to use social media appropriately. Um, let's start putting out PSAs like, Hey, here's a, uh, and you'll pin it right to your, your webpage. It doesn't even have to be a social media thing, but let's paint it to the webpage. Traffic stops, what to expect. Here's the rules. Here's the laws. I get an email, a phone call, and a text message when they think like we might have flooding. Oh, with a storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know this, that, yeah. that system, that alert system. Mm-hmm. So I know they have the ability to reach people because they got all the information to send you a message saying, "Hey." We might have a storm coming and you might get some flood, flash flood, whatever, you know, they, they know, they know how to reach you. Yeah. So why not utilize those same systems to say, Hey, PSA, just so you know, in our township, in our jurisdiction, these are the rules. This is what's allowed. And this is what the law says. And on a federal level, by the way, this is what the law says. Just so you know. Yeah. In the event you are stopped by the police, in the event the police come to your home, because how many times have you knocked on a door? Neighbor calls saying, I heard someone screaming. I heard someone yell for help. I heard glass breaking and I heard a woman crying and whatever. And so you knock on the door. Knock, knock, knock. How are you, sir? Uh, we got a call. We'd like to, you know, okay, if we step inside and whatever, you can't come in here. Well, actually, sir, yes, yes, actually, I can. <laughs> we can. Did you get the text message, email and phone call and voicemail from the and, you know, so that like I feel like would if you just slowly did a drip campaign. Yeah. Letting people know. Yeah. What actually the police can do. Yeah. It would eliminate that element of surprise, which leads to anger and disdain when the police do show up, when they do pull you over, because you've already been warned, you've yeah. been told of the rules that even in the 
in the most basic thing you could think of, if you looked at a basketball game and you had a little kids playing basketball or adults playing basketball, if the referee all of a sudden blew the whistle and called a foul on something and said, and you said, and you're playing basketball, playing basketball. And the ref comes over and says, okay, that's a false start. You'd be like, hold, wait, wait, I don't, I didn't even wait. What? I didn't <laughs> even know about that rule. That's a, that's a, we're playing basketball. Like I don't, I, what are you talking about? It is a rule. I know you didn't hear about it, but it is one of our rules here in, in this town on this court playing in this league. So yeah, so at the penalty turnover, give the ball to that's the other team. That's a pretty good. People would be like, yeah. "What? What are you talking about? I didn't like what I didn't know." But if you declared it to everyone who stepped onto that court yeah. in that park in that municipality, if you declared everyone, "Hey, by the way, yeah, in this town, in this league, there is a false start penalty for basketball, and this is how it works, and these are the rules around it, just so you know. Okay. It wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. It wouldn't be a surprise. Dude, that's a legit idea. I, that's a, I like that analogy, too. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, like, I, I look at you things. You are just a pretty face. I know some people, some people, some people, they just, they, they write me off just as that. And they're like, Oh my, but you know, yeah. that was one of the things I never, I think I never told you about that. Um, I had a stint of, I don't know, five, six years where I was doing modeling and I was on billboards in like New York city and Milan. I know I had you Paris. on my ceiling. Did you have me on ceiling? Yeah, yeah. 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 And was it the underwear one? It was Made the it, night's not so lonely. It was a jockey underwear yeah, one. Yeah. Right? yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, I'll sign it later before I leave. <laughs> there we go. Um, and I would get my balls busted. They'd be like, oh, my God. Oh, Mr. Supermodel, Mr. Underwear Model, you know. Oh, so I bet. Guys would be like, yeah, you know. Rightfully uh, so. Uh, PD. Yeah, rightfully like so. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. If they and, didn't like you, they wouldn't make fun of you. Oh, right. Not to and, your face. And that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah not to your face. Um, but anyway, like, I feel like these aren't like, you know, you know, like world shattering ideas. They seem like pretty, like, even with your children in your home mm-hmm. you declare the rules and if you don't declare the rules and then you try to enforce a rule yeah. your child is uh, of course inevitably going to say what what are you talking about i didn't you never said that to me i didn't know how are you grounding me for a rule that i didn't even know existed yeah. and if you just say well it does it exists. It's a rule I came up with, and you know you're not you you <laughs> broke it, so you're grounded. Yeah. Even in your home, like your child would get upset with you. It just you just like it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Or even as an adult, like you wouldn't yell at me for walking into your home wearing my shoes and be like, "Bro, what are you doing?" I'm like, oh, what, what, what? You got your shoes on? Oh, I didn't. Oh, do you want me to take my shoes off at the door? I didn't. You you never said yeah. to me take. Yeah please take your shoes off. There was no sign that yeah. said, please remove your shoes. Yeah. It's very basic. What sign did I have when you got here? Uh, it's just like, like welcome to the VIP parking zone or something. Yeah. VIP. It, was the, it was the VIP. Yeah. The yeah. VIP. I was like, Oh man, I feel special. And I was like, Oh man. Um, so like, you know, like, like to me, like observation, that's another thing. Most mm. we'll talk about that later. Most people, when they like go into a situation, they're not looking around. 
Mm-hmm. They're not scanning. They're not looking. They're, they're not, scanning. Scanning their social media. They're scanning their phone. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Even even like when I drive and I when I'm pulling up to a building and whatever, I'm always looking and I'm picking out little things because I feel like if I get knocked out and I wake up and I have to like, you know, I'm in a box and I got to like, you know, break out my phone and call. I'd be like, listen, I was driving. I made a right turn and I saw like a, a black pickup truck and then it had like an American flag on the back. Like I, I need to know. So I'm always scanning, you know, most people aren't cognizant of that, but I'm digressing. But anyway, going back to <laughs> letting people know and educating people, yes. I think it would take a lot of this out. And when it comes to just even the laws of when you can shoot someone, mm-hmm. I think that would change the opinion now of course you're always going to have the people who despite knowing the law they're still going to like burn stuff down because they need a new flat screen tv and they need new boots or whatever and so they're going to do what they're going to do yeah, there's opportunistic people uh, out there in yeah. every situation yeah. right in every situation so they're the outliers they're the outliers now when the media focuses on them it makes them look like the majority but they're, right. they're not the majority. They're not. They're the extreme minority. Yep. The, the majority of people, when someone gets shot by the police, they're not like, all right, let's get on our shoes. we got to go get ourselves a new TV. Majority of people are not doing that. Right. But And most of them aren't even from the fucking city that it happens no, in. No, they're coming to that they're area to do that. But if you did the work and you did the, let's say, the 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 education of letting people know ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Listen, just so you know, the police in this town, Mm -hmm. like I was just in a town called Hearst next to Colleyville. Yeah. Okay. And I saw a couple of Hearst police. Good town, good people, good cops. Yeah. Yeah. Hearst, good place. Yeah. So imagine if the police chief and the mayor of Hearst sent out a blanket thing to all the residents of Hearst saying, Hey, just so you know, Mm -hmm. if the police, if you ever have an interaction with the police and they are unable to see your hands and they are telling you to show me your hands and you are not presenting your hands, they will ask to see your hands twice. After that, if you make any kind of movement, toward your belt line, to anything, they will shoot you. You will be shot, okay? Uh, just confirm that you've read this email, you've listened to this voicemail, whatever, and you understand the following yeah. situation. There's a potential. There's a potential here yeah. that, like, because this is about your safety, their safety, what have you, okay? Yeah. The videos that kill me are the videos of the cop saying a hundred times, show me your hands. That doesn't fly with me. Yeah, because if I say show me your hands twice and you're still not showing me your hands and you understand the English language and you are just not showing me your hands, that's a major red flag. That's an indicator that you're up to something else. Right. Yes. Because the average person and you see it in some videos Mm -hmm. where the cop draws a gun and says, show me your hands. And the guy puts his hands up and right. Oh, I got I don't got anything. I got They put their hands up right away. That's what the normal average human being does that doesn't have anything to hide and doesn't have any bad intentions or isn't thinking about doing something bad. So when you watch a video and the person doesn't put their hands up, then you kind of know this is not normal. This is not okay. Yeah. You know? So like, you know, something's up, you know, something's up. Cause I remember as a child, like once in a while, like I would like go to like the candy jar, you know? And, um, 
it's, it's actually getting better as I sip it. Um, uh, I see you're, you're taking your time yeah. with it too. It's kind of making me nervous because yeah. <laughs> you're out. You're out. <laughs> I told you this is one of my favorites. This, you're out. I love it. Uh, Eric's dry. I'm like, I still got like half the pour. Uh, but that was a solid pour. Um, so uh, my mom once in a while like would like catch me or my sister would catch me and we come over here and I'd be like, Oh, and she'd be like, open your mouth. Oh, no. You ever have that happen? Yeah. Open your mouth. <laughs> and when you had something in your mouth, you were like, mm. Mm. you wouldn't like, you'd purse your lips like, mm mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like open your mouth and so she grabbed my face and like open my jaw and she would like see the candy in there yeah. or whatever she'd be like right yeah. but when the times that she thought she caught me and i came up and she'd say wait were you were you in the cookie jar or did you grab that candy? <laughs> open your mouth and i would open my mouth yeah she wouldn't have to ask me three times to open my mouth yeah i open my mouth and i would prove to her i had nothing in my mouth yeah very basic mm-hmm as a child, we know that. Yeah. So one of the problems with notifying the public, this is one of the biggest issues with police in the community, in my opinion right now, mm-hmm. is we're really good at getting information. They're really good at getting information. The community. Mm-hmm. There's no bridge to get that information to each other efficiently. There is... There is a system, you know, you got crime stoppers. You've got um, neighborhood patrol officers that are, you know, work their beat and stuff like that. Um, I'm actually, I'm so glad you brought this up because I'm actually in the process right now within my own job trying to fix that problem, trying to figure out a better way to tell the community things, geofence things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So, for instance, if there's a, a call that comes in, hey, I just watched a guy walk in walking towards the school with a rifle mm-hmm. in a hurry. Okay. Uh, there is a, um, a company I'm looking into. They're called Atlas one. So any officers out there listening right now, like looking into these guys, I, I haven't finished my homework on them yet, but everything I see this, their software is that fix. Okay. Now I, I'm again, they're not a sponsor. I don't talk to them. They don't know nothing about me yeah. personally, but I'm looking into them. And I looked into the, you know, I do my homework. I'm, yeah. I'm a nerd. So I looked at them and I looked at all these companies that are their competitors. And this Atlas One company is like way up here. Like there's nobody that touches these guys. But it's all the things that you're talking about right now. So if our conversation, I don't care, blow Atlas One up. I hope they get huge. But yeah. um, from what I'm seeing, that is the bridge. That is that call comes in. Somebody's walking towards the school with a gun. Oh shit. We need to notify the community now mm-hmm. over their phones, over their social media, whatever it is. And that's what their software does. It allows us as the police to put out in a geofence, like, Hey, we need to notify this general area, whatever's around that school, five mile radius, you know, whatever that school zone is. Yeah. Um, send that out. Everybody needs to know. They need to know now. Yeah. So, Boom, you could put that out. You could also do a citywide announcement. So if you get um what what Atlas what what I've read that this Atlas One does is let's say um the police department has their own social media pages, they've got all they got their own website. They can put that message into Atlas One and it sends it out to all of their platforms immediately. 
Okay. Rather than, hey, make sure you put that on Facebook. Hey, make sure you put uh-huh. that on our website. Make sure you, like, that takes time and it takes certain individuals. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. everything's about saving time. Pe- and People are involved, yeah. Yeah. So with what I'm learning about this Atlas One, and I'm very impressed. And because I'm always trying to figure out how to communicate with the community better, it also allows them, reciprocal, they can send stuff in. One, they can send stuff in anonymously, mm-hmm. which we know that is one of the biggest problems with getting people to communicate with cops. They don't want to be snitches. Get they don't want to be snitches. They don't want to get dragged into court. But if you send in a credible tip anonymously through something like this, it gives you the opportunity to 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 send in um, video, to send in pictures, to send in whatever evidence it is that you have mm-hmm. anonymously. So the cops can say, Hey, I got this through this tip. And the other cool part about Atlas one is things like crime stoppers where you actually get paid for your tips. If you send the tip in through them, mm-hmm. they'll say, Hey, not only is your information relevant, your information is also associated with this crime stopper tip. Okay. So let's get that tip over to crime stoppers. So you get paid. Oh. Tell me that doesn't incentivize yeah. the public to help more. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you're talking about putting out a public announcement, I'm thinking of a company like this, and you could do the same thing through their platform. It may not be designed for that necessarily. No. But but you you, can adapt it to. Listen, you could send something out with people's taxes. You could send something out with people's water bill. Right. You could send it out in whatever form you want. And if they choose not to read it, I mean, I think it should somehow be like mandated that they read it and they acknowledge Some sort of like receipt has to yeah. be like that way they can't say, Oh, I never read it. The trick is though, is you can't over indate them with a bunch of shit. No, I think you should be, it should be like a drip campaign. Yeah. I think it should be like just every quarter, send them out something that they that's can fair. know that's like valid and relevant yeah. to where they live. Look at us solving fucking problems. That's it, man. Yeah. You know, and that's it. And just like do it once a quarter and let people know. And it will, that would alleviate, the hysteria in a lot of situations and educate the average consumer or the average citizen in this yeah. situation where they say, Oh, well, okay. So this now this event happened and now you don't have every single person saying, what the heck? How did this happen? What? This is unacceptable. I can't believe the cut. You no, know, you're going to have the majority mm-hmm. of people be like, well, we read in that thing that came in the water bill a couple of quarters ago that if this happens, they have the right to do this, and yeah. this is what they will do, and it's their right to do it. So, man, I guess that guy just must have not got the memo. Yeah. You know, but this is the reality. So the majority of the, and then you'll still have the 5% who are still going to, even knowing the truth. Yeah, they're going to fight. They're going to fight. They're yeah. going to, they don't care. You know, they have yeah. their own agenda, but at least you don't have the mm. mass hysteria, you know, and you have some education. Yeah. Listen, ignorance is always born from lack of education. It's always born from lack of education. Yep. So if you are not educating and my man. And you you really can't get upset when you witness the ignorance. Like yeah. to me, if you are you can't be in shock of the ignorant actions of the people and their lack of knowledge. Yeah. If you didn't educate them. Yeah. You you just yeah. it's just not right. It's not possible. And I get the argument that cops are gonna make. I already I can already see it. Ignorance is not an excuse for the law. 
okay, I get that. I'm not saying I'm not saying you're wrong, but if we can make it easier, mm-hmm. let's fucking make it easier. Mm-hmm. Let's let's work together. Why do we have to get so hard nosed and draw a line in the sand when? I could send something out. I could go through a company like the, the Atlas one and, and, and throw out, you know, um, a speed trap. Like, I love this. I love departments that do this. Um, the one that I work for does this, but there's a lot of departments that do this now. Hey, we're going to have our motor guys out on, you know, 820 and in and, and Ramey. You know, they're going to be there from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. running radar. So if you're in that area, slow down. And that goes out. And then when you get a ticket... And you try to argue, oh, this is bullshit. You guys got nothing better to do. You're out here catching people by surprise and undercover cars and whatnot. I'm like, dude, we put out a thing. We told you. We told you we're going to be there. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So when you get caught, you have zero excuse. You could do the same thing with a program like this on just about everything. We told you. On everything. Yeah. And we- now, and now, how does the community support their police? These guys aren't trying to hide shit. Mm-hmm. They're out there at the forefront being transparent, letting people know. Yep. And, and putting that stuff out there. Most people know what the job and what the role of the police are. And the, I think the average person wants nothing to do with being a cop. I, I just truly believe that. The average person doesn't want to put yeah. on a gun and be put into a, a life or death situation. Yeah. But it's it's I think it's today it's even more than just life or death. It's more like. Look how they get treated in the social media. I don't yeah. fucking want none of that. No. You I'll go be a firefighter. Yeah. Everybody loves yeah, them. Everyone loves the firefighters. <laughs> everyone loves the yeah. firefighters. You know, so to me, you have to, you're, it's, it's incumbent upon police officers and police departments to do the job that will ultimately make their life easier. Yes. If they don't, then I don't feel bad for them. Shame on them. Yeah. Like, I don't feel bad if there's community backlash after a police-involved incident. If they didn't do a good enough job or they did no job educating the public. Yeah. Well, then, you know what? Deal with the, you know what, yeah. storm that comes after that. Yeah. You know, I don't know if we're, is this a family-oriented show? Fuck no. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I was going to say, I keep it real. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like, you know, people, people need to know before you like, you know, before there's an action taken, you need to let them know, man. Like I don't, I, to me, and it comes with like, even when you look at like how we investigate crimes, how many times have you, been going through the process of investigating a crime and someone calls you and someone's like, they, like the victim, the victim calls you like, Hey, well, what's going on? You know, my car got broken into like, you know, uh, th- two weeks ago and you know, okay. Mm, you know, ma'am. And th- th- what happens is you, then you do it. Yeah. Then you do it. You say, ma'am, you know, there's a process here. We have to send the fingerprints out to the County, the fingerprints that we did find on scene. We have them to the County. The county subsequently, in many cases, sends them to the state police. The state police isn't going to check their records, and then they'll come back to see if there's a match. And then the county will come back to us and let us know, and they'll check their database. So there's a process here. That's a lost art these days, by the way. Yeah, I know. So I just short. I don't want anyone to interrupt you, but this is funny, so I want you to hear it. My car 
attempted break-in. I locked my doors. They were just pulling handles. Yeah. Um, I ended up catching the guy down the road. No kidding. <laughs> Caught him on my cameras. Yeah. So I went out. I, I catch the guy. Um, but uh, they wanted to process. Let me, let me run this back. I catch him. He runs from me. I let him go. I'm not. You catch him off duty? Yeah, I was like, this was here at my yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so he's he's attempting to break in. I catch him in a car. I get him out at gunpoint. I say, you know, get on the ground, get on the ground. He acts like he's about to get on the ground, and then just as he's about to go, he runs. All I have is a gun. Yeah. That's all I had. Yeah. I wasn't going to shoot him. No. Unless he presented a threat. He yeah. didn't present a threat. He ran. He went around a blind corner and said, all right, you win. So he got away. But I knew he touched my car, mm. and I knew he touched my car without gloves because I saw it on my camera. So police officers show up. And it's a FTO and his rookie. Rookie did not have a print kit with him and had never run prints before. FTO looked at me and was like, I don't have my kit with me. I didn't check his. It's my fault, but he needs to learn a lesson. I was like, I have my kit in the house. No shit. So <clears throat> I ran the prints. I did it all. No. M- embarrassed the shit out of the rookie <laughs> because the FTO was like, this citizen's going to go get his print kit for you. He doesn't know I'm a cop yet. Oh. So I go inside, I grab my print kit, and I'm like, I'll show you how to do it. And I, I run the print. I do the prints on my own vehicle, get them all on there, process the, the paperwork stuff for it, and then I give it over to, to the rookie. And he's like, does this happen all the time? <laughs> oh my! You know, the FTO should have been embarrassed, too. He's, he was. He, he was like, he's like, he's like, I got, we got these... This was a cool part. They got drones. He's like, we got these new drones. I was a little excited to get that kit put in the car. He's like, I just forgot my kit. He's like, where they have drones that they drive around with? Like, uh, yeah. So it's in a Pelican case. Yeah. And um, they can deploy them. So basically what he did when they got here, I chased him. I chased the guy into a creek bed mm-hmm. um, around the corner of a house. So I was like, I stopped here. They showed up maybe three minutes later. Mm-hmm. I was like, you got a good shot if you got Air One or something like yeah. that. He could be back here. And they're like, we'll, we'll deploy our drone. So they deploy their drone up, and they're looking around. They didn't spot him, didn't yeah. find him. Yeah. Um, but those prints came back several months later. Um, I got the email at work, you know, hey, your prints hit. And, uh, yeah, we ended up catching the guy. No so, kidding. Yeah. yeah it's, a, you know, it's a long game, but I knew he wasn't getting away with it. I knew he touched my car, and I knew yeah. he had a record. And where did he live? Uh, he was in the city next to – he was out of Dallas. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Wow, so man. Yeah. But it was just funny to embarrass the, the rookie and <laughs> have fun with that. But yeah, prints are becoming a lost art. There's a lot oh, of people that don't uh I know. They don't even try anymore. Yep. So yeah, they don't even bother. You yeah, know? which is another thing citizens, you know, don't know or this is the little things that you're maybe surprised about that we talked about earlier. Not all cops are comfortable running prints. Some departments have crime scene. They have their own crime scene that's all yep. civilian. Yep. And they come in. I know Florida's real big into that. Um, Huge. Clearwater is specifically one. My brother-in-law was a homicide detective out there. So he mm-hmm. told me, he's like, oh, we have a crime scene. We just call them over and they run the prints for us. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. We got to do all that shit ourselves. Yeah, they process the whole scene. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so that's these are those little nuances and differences between departments. And you're like, well, this department's got it going on. Yeah, they got it going on for that. But where are they slacking? Yeah, there's always yeah. breakdowns. Yeah. Always breakdowns, yeah. you know. So, and and. You know, people don't know. And that's what I think the biggest thing we can share with people is, Mm -hmm. and 
you know, how can you, what's the best way to like, let them know. And then of course there's what to let them know. Yeah. What they need to know, you know, yeah, you don't tell them every little thing that you need, you know, need to be done. They don't need to know how, like, you know, the police cars are gassed up, but like they need to, (laughs) you know, they need to know like, you know, how, although I remember someone at one point telling me that, and this is a true story. A resident told me when I went to a call said, so how much does it cost you to put fuel in your police car every day? Cause you're driving around all day. Like you personally, she thought I had to put gas in my police car. Oh, okay. I could see that. I you could know? see people mistaking that. And I, and that was like a very like telling thing to me, yeah. which <clears throat> was how, and I, and I don't say this in a negative way, right? but how ignorant, yeah. Right. Ignorant just means you lack the yeah. knowledge. You don't, you right. don't it's know. It's not a bad thing. Ign- yeah. When I say ignorant, it's not like you're stupid. Yeah. Ignorance is lack of knowledge. I, I'm ignorant about a lot of stuff. Me too. And, you know, the the lack of knowledge and the ignorance of the, the, the people who, like, yeah. lived in the town. And these are, like, you know, successful people. Yeah. Like, they're living in big houses, you know. So they're apparently, allegedly successful. And here's a woman who was living in a big house and very nice, very kind, seemed very, you know, very with it, very, you know. Supportive of the police. Yeah. Yeah. And here she was thinking that I had to put gas in my own police car. Yeah. Because she just didn't know. And so that goes, you know, this goes full circle. Mm -hmm. It's just like teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I got to tell you, a few years ago when I first saw the, um, uh, like clear the list, hashtag clear the list. Do you know that clear the list thing? No. So let me write that down. These teachers um, were, I guess, so, I don't know where it started, TikTok or I don't know where. Yeah. But these teachers were putting out their list of items that they needed for their classroom. Yeah. You know. Yeah, whatever. Pencils, crayons, whatever. Yeah, all that stuff. Normal stuff. And um, they were putting it out there for help from, I guess, parents, uh, others, parents, whoever, anyone, anyone with you know a generous heart, to buy items on that list to help them. And I saw this. I noticed this because someone sent it to me and said, "Hey, um, have you?" looked at this and I said, what is this? And all oh, this like, you know, clear the list. I'm like, what is it? And so teachers that need to buy stuff for their classroom and they got to buy it themselves. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They got to buy it themselves. Isn't that what the school does? Like we, you, they collect taxes for the schools. What are you talking about? This teachers on the internet asking for yeah. crayons, just like that citizen that thought you bought your own gas. Right. Yeah. And I said, doesn't, then the teachers, you know, they don't they get money for that? Like it's covered. And this person who sent me this was like, no, these teachers got to buy it themselves out of their own pocket. I'm like, that is insane. Like, are you crazy? Yeah. And they're like, no. And so that's why a couple of years ago, 221B, I immediately said, hey, listen, what we're going to start doing is every back to school year, we're going to select a handful of teachers from around the country and find their list. And some of these lists have hundreds of dollars worth of stuff on it. Yeah. Some of the lists have like a couple thousand dollars worth of stuff on it. 
And we started doing it two years ago where we select a handful of teachers and I buy everything on their list. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, I, beautiful. and, and it's called clear the list. That so. hits my heart because I've got quite a few teachers in my, my bubble. Um, Brad Davis. I'm going to give these guys a shout out. Brad Davis, uh, uh, Leslie Long, Lisa um, Jones, uh, sorry, Fetters. Um, who else? What other teachers do I got just off the top of my head? Um, dang, I know I'm missing Erica Bushy. Uh, I got all the, I got so many teachers and part of, I haven't found one yet, but part of the things that I wanted to do with this show is front frontline workers. Mm-hmm. It's not just cops. It's not just firefighters. I'm talking oh, no, frontline yeah. Yeah. workers, ambulance teachers all of these people that see nurses all these people that see the worst of the worst or or the signs and symptoms of problems when it eventually is going to get into the criminal justice world yeah teachers are one of the biggest they could tell you a kid that's a problem child well before the police ever get involved 100 percent. and they know and they, they could tell you all right there's some parenting problems going on there's some uh, it, which is usually the dynamic. Um, there's yeah. some sort of household issues. You know, some kids don't have a chance because of the, the dynamics at home. Um, so those are the types of people I've been trying to get on the show as well. I want a teacher to sit down and talk about, you know, well, we're, we don't have the tools that we need. We weren't, we're not allowed to enforce any of the old school stuff that you used to know as a kid, you know, yeah, they're looked at, they're villainized before the behavior of the child is villainized anymore. Yep. So I've got a very soft spot in my heart for teachers and just the fact that you guys go out and do something like that. That's fucking, that's huge. And that's huge to the kids. But more importantly, just like police, a teacher is going to look at that and go, somebody still appreciates what we're doing. Yeah. We're doing the right thing. Absolutely. There's a handful of teachers that changed my life, man. So I, you know, I always have a huge amount of respect for them. And I grew up in an all white town and I was the only, you know, brown kid in the whole town. And there were some teachers that just definitely took a liking to me and helped me, you know, get through a, a definitely a tough time in my life. So now did it make you more popular or did it make you like, well, they didn't do it like like overtly, yeah. But they did it like you know covertly, and um, you know during some tough times like that. You know, I've told the story before. There was an incident where I was in a class. Uh, God, man, I'm trying to think of what grade I was in. It was elementary school, and it was someone's like birthday in the class. So the parents made cupcakes. One of the parents made cupcakes for their child for their birthday. And uh, they were like delicious looking cupcakes, you know, and everyone got a cupcake except me. They made a, the parent made a cupcake for everyone in the class except me. What the fuck? Yeah. In New Jersey? This is in New Jersey. What the shit? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and then like I remember what the teacher did in that scenario. The teacher, you know, like talked to me and like, you know, comforted me because I was, you know. You don't like when you're like seven or eight, you don't like know what racism is. You don't yeah. know what, you know, you just feel like le- you were left out, you know, at that age when you don't get invited to a birthday party, which happened quite a bit, you know, you would come to school on Monday and you would realize that all the kids in your class were at a birthday party over the weekend and you were the only one that didn't get the invite. 
because they didn't want the black kid at their house. What the fuck? Yeah, you know, or at the roller rink or at the bowling alley or whatever it was. So, you know, then, the, you know, the teachers, would, you know, certain teachers would notice that and, you know, quietly console me and, you know, talk to me and let me know. Because my mom was never around. She was always working, you know, she was yeah. a single mom. So, you know, that was something that, you know, I will never forget from some of the teachers that, like, you know, helped me during that time. But, you know, that's a, you know, the, the world can be a cruel place, you know, and I had to navigate it solo as a child. Yeah. And especially I, without a father figure. Fuck that's a father. Rough. Yeah. So, you know, you, you know, as a child, you don't know why these things are happening to you. You just know as a child, you're ignorant. <laughs> you don't know the, like yeah. the ways of the world. You don't know that there's certain people who are just, you know, racist. Yeah. You don't know that there are certain people who are sexist. You don't know there's people who are whatever. And you just kind of go about your business because you're, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're innocent. It's an innocent, innocence, in, in, yeah. it's an innocent ignorance, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, a lot of teachers really helped save me in, in times like that. So when I have the chance now to give back to teachers and teachers, like when I was, you know, an officer that asked me to come read for their kids and, you know, do show and tell or whatever it might yeah. be, you know, I, I was the one who always did all that stuff. And, you know, to me, I always enjoyed that because, I remember where I was as a child. Yeah. And uh, these were things that were important to me, you know, so I wanted to make sure that, like, I did those things now that I had, you know, I was in the position to and I got the chance to. But, you know, it's it's going, once again, going back to educating, Mm -hmm. letting people know this is why these things happen and these are some of the things that may happen to you. So if they do happen to you, just know it's not because of this, it's because of this. Yeah. And that's what some of these teachers told me, you know. So to go full circle back to what we we're talking about with police yeah. work, you know, that's how it worked, man. And it all boils down to communication. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If we can facilitate better communication, let's do it. It always gets better. The yeah. communication is always getting better. Yeah. Like, and our abilities now are just improving. Um, that's why I love doing this shit. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm communicating. And it's going to be out there forever now, hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. assuming we don't get hit by an asteroid. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is on the internet. Mm-hmm. And love me or hate me, love who my guest is or hate who my guest is, like, it's genuine. Like, we're we're not, this ain't a radio show. Yeah. This ain't, oh, welcome back. You know, you know I do kind of start the podcast that way yeah. every time, but that's just me having fun. Which is important. Yeah. But as it goes on, we're, you know. Shit, we're at an hour and 17 minutes. We're being us. Like, we can't fake who we are this long. I can't. Mm-mm. Maybe you can. I can't. Uh, I don't know many people that can. So no. you get genuine conversation, genuine people yeah. um, who have very, we have a similar experience when it comes to careers, you know. Um, actually, this is unbeknownst to you, but, you know, I grew up the same way. My dad was down here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Now, the only difference is I knew who he was. I had, I had him in, in my life, but yeah. I grew up without dad around, you know, even my stepdad, he worked second shift. He wasn't around. So it was mom and yeah. she ruled with an iron fucking fist. <laughs> so uh, as they should, you know, growing up around Flint, you know, I get it. So, um, in that, you know, our backgrounds, you know, we, 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 we molded up kind of similar and I'm never going to say we're the same, nobody's it doesn't matter if we grew up next door to each other yeah, it's, it's not the same yeah um and that's important for cops to understand like just because you as an officer were taught at the same department let's just go that 
Yeah. Your experience as a cop is not the same. No, your experience as a cop comes from your background. And, yes. your, you know, so I noticed that. That's what I wanted to get into. You see how I did that transition? Yeah. Like it that. comes to your background, man. I set like, you up. Uh, that was, a, yeah, that was alley-oop. Um, I noticed that cops who played college sports are douchebags. Ha- had the, well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just, no, I'm I just mean, talking shit. I found that the ones that played college sports that played college sports with black teammates and maybe, you know, room with them and spent time with them and, you know, an extended period of time with them definitely acted differently on the job toward people of color than the ones that clearly did not in a good way, in a good way. So you got the, I call that boot camp effect. Yes. The same thing. You know how it is in boot camp or when you go to you know the academy, you, you learn about people and sometimes like, you know, they'll put you in a room and I'm in a room with like a white kid from Iowa that has, essentially never seen a black person in his life besides TV. And now we're bunking together. We're eating together. That's got to be so fun for you. We're running to PT together. And now, so (laughs) that would be a blast. Right. And it's like a whole world now, like for someone like me, I had the assumption that I knew about him. Cause like my whole world is like white people. Right. Yeah. But I mean, what the United States is 14% black. Yeah. 14 or 15 ish yeah. and you're you're more of a unicorn even because you're mixed with yeah. what was it indian indian yeah, yeah. So, so it's very different yeah so i called you a unicorn unicorn yeah yeah there's a flavor of a drink i'm looking for that is like unicorn that bang, mo- bang. yeah yeah unicorn, that's unicorn. Good one. yeah it's a good one i haven't been able to find it um <laughs> i'm on the search I'm, hey maybe i'll find it in texas i'll find it it's here uh, uh, i know it? exactly where it's at oh less no, than a mile oh it. no kidding when we're done we'll go get you we'll some get some um so like i knew that there was going to be like an awakening for this person but then there's always that learning about them as well so i've talked to countless people where they were in that situation let's just call it it's the team situation or the the uh boot camp or military situation it's a situation where you are told that your roommate for the next six months or whatever is this person and it's a person that you've never kind of hung out with they're black or they're white whatever it's a complete opposite of you and all your preconceptions of what that person is or might be start fading away Mm -hmm. as the days, weeks and months go on. Remember the Titans. Yes. The great movie. Right. It was, it's that I've seen it in real life. Yeah. And then by the end, the, the understanding of where this person came from, what they've been through and what they really are after vice versa the black guy looking at the white guy the white guy looking at the black guy and now it's like they're on the same page not that they have a united goal to win a football game or to you know finish you know graduate the academy it's just that they have a deeper understanding and respect for each other it's a perspective they never had that they never had now when you now graduate and you go out into the field if you're that white guy and you're you know pulling over a black guy 
you now have an understanding, a better understanding from some of those late night conversations, some of those concerns, those fears, those stories about what happened to your roommate's brother or mother or father, whatever it might be. You have a deeper understanding. And I'm not saying you're going to have sympathy. You have a better understanding. Mm -hmm. So when you walk up to a car as a white guy and this black man is responding to you in a certain way because you pulled him over or talking to you in a certain way or has a certain move, you now know. Like, why is he this nervous? Right. You now know why. Yeah. So the officers, the white officers that I saw who had that experience, they knew why. And they were now acting accordingly. And they were a better cop because and of they it. were a better cop mm-hmm. because of it. And the ones that never had it, mm-hmm. they just grew up in that town. They were white as can, white can be. And then they went to the academy and they were, you know, they had their like, you know, their best friend who they went to high school with and the college with as their roommate. Yeah. And now they graduate the academy and then now they're a cop in that town. And some black guy from, you know, three town to over rolls through and they get pulled over. And now it's like the back and forth. And they're like, why the hell is this guy acting like this? He's yeah. shady. Something's up. I don't know what this guy's got. And now the white guy's nervous. And now he's had his hand on his gun. And it like there's just it's all born from lack of understanding and ignorance. Mm-hmm. So why doesn't it happen in the other situation? I've seen it and I notice guys who are acting differently. And then when I talk to them later, I'm like, so, uh, where'd you go to school? I went to college here. What'd you do? I played baseball. Oh, really? Did you have a roommate? Yeah. What was his name? What was this? Oh, okay. Was he black or white? Oh, he was a black guy. He was from Chicago. He's a good guy. Yeah. You know, whatever. And I'm like, uh, huh. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it never failed. It never failed. Yeah. They just had that understanding. And to go back to what we started, it's like the notification system we were talking about. Yeah. They had the notification system, but they were, they were, they were staying in the same bedroom. Right. So they were getting that notification Mm -hmm. and that knowledge of what happens and why it's going to happen and all that. They were getting that on a daily night list because you know whether it's, you know, you're playing college sports with someone or you're in the academy with someone, you're at boot camp with someone, you know that there's some intimate conversations. There's some late night conversations. Fuck yeah. There's tears there's whatever there's laughing there's ball busting there's fights there's fights there's everything you grow from it right yeah and you learn from it you know growth is learning learning Mm. is growth so when you don't have that i feel bad for the guys who don't have that i do too because that to me is what changes you as a human being That is what we need more of. Now, is it possible to, like, you know, come age 21 or 22, shack every white guy up with a black guy from someone lit from a completely different area of their life and, you know, make them live with each other for six months so they have a better understanding? That would be ideal, actually. If there was a way to figure that out, I would freaking do it. You know, and I would say, you know, this is a great way for people to learn. There will be laughing, there will be crying, there will be fights, and then there will be hugs. But you will have an understanding of where people come from and how they live, how their culture is, why they think things, why they feel certain things, Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And, you know, there's, listen, it goes both ways. There's a lot of things that black people think about white guys that are just completely false. Yeah. That are just completely false. But some are socially funny and somewhat true. Somewhat true. Yeah. (laughs) But like, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, okay. And then when there's an understanding of, oh, 
Yeah. So that's not how it goes. No, that's not like that's not what we do every weekend. That's not like you know, and yeah. it, it it goes both ways. So it's it's it, there's an understanding there as well, and the education there as well. You know, how do we embrace that? How do we how do we say how do we on a on a larger scale put this out there? And the greatest, let me say disservice that our politicians and our athletes do to our society is that they don't have these conversations and they don't share this on their platforms. I look at guys like LeBron James and I look at, you know, some of these other more, you know, I mean, he's the most vocal that I think of, but there are plenty of other black athletes out there that I can talk about. I don't want to just single out LeBron, uh, but I, I, I can for a lot of reasons and other actors and actresses and things like that, that don't use their platforms to let people know why they are the way they are, why people of color think they think a certain way, feel a certain way, make certain assumptions, things like that. They don't do that. If they did that, they would be able to hit. It's almost like they are the roommate through social media are the roommate of millions of white people Mm -hmm. to share with them, to have that understanding, right? And say, oh, oh, I see. Okay, this is why they feel this way. This is why there's this misconception. I get it, you know, but they don't do that. We had a president who didn't do that, and he became president. The The funniest thing in the world is when you look at people who are screaming inequality and all this stuff, and there's a president who's a black man in the White House. I'm like, wait a second. If it was, if this country was so racist and there's so much inequality, how did we elect a black man as president? Not once, but twice. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense from a, just a logical human being standpoint. It doesn't make sense. That would tell you that, the majority of people in this country, the majority voted for a black man to run this country and be the most powerful man in the world. If you're racist, you don't vote for that. Right. You don't do that. You don't want that. You say, you know what? I'm going to give this guy a chance. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a smart guy. I think he can take this country in the right direction. And there's a lot of people that I know of that, let me not say were, they weren't racist, but they surely weren't like me, you know, screaming fans of people of color that voted for Barack Obama because they said, you know what? I think this guy can take the country in the direction it needs. I think I like his message and I think he's smart and I think he can do this. Yeah. And that's why they voted for him. But on, you know, outside of that, you would have looked at them and said, this person really probably isn't like, you know, a, you know, going around hugging black people on a daily basis, (laughs) you know? So, so that goes to show you, so I don't know how in the same breath you can say the country's racist, the country's this, the country's that. They voted a black guy two terms to be president, you know? So it doesn't make sense. You would never go to a uh, like a restaurant that employs all females and there's a female manager and, you know, female, you know, wait staff and female, they're all females and go into, you would never walk into that restaurant and say, you guys are misogynists here. You guys don't like women or anti-women you would you would never do that it just wouldn't make sense yeah but that's what people do about our country and it you know no one thinks twice about it but i think that people like him had an opportunity 
to do, and they have the platform clearly to do mass education, mass understanding for the people of this country. And it would have resonated coming from him and he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. He blew the opportunity to do it over a course of eight years. And it, it kills me. It yeah. absolutely kills me. I do it on my platform, on my channel and I try to separate it from the you know two two one B tactical, but the reality is so there's a separation between two two one B and what's the platform you're putting it on? So I have my own Suresh actual like you know platform that I put stuff out on, oh. and I'm shifting more of that the talk about like what's going on in society and police work, whatever some police related stuff will stay on two, two, one B tactical, but a lot of it's going to be shifting over now to Suresh actual. So Uh, one of the things I want to point out that would be beneficial to that, and it's going to sound like I'm kissing your ass. I'm not. So get that out of your ego, but (laughs) uh, you've got the benefit of doing the job and you've been out for a, long enough period of time that you've got that civilian perspective now. Uh-huh. And that's what I like. So, because one of the hardest things for me to do, and I fully admit this is, is separating and uh, keeping that non-biased mindset. Yeah. I, I try, I, I think I try really hard to keep a non-bias. Like I try to look from the perspective of not a cop mm-hmm. and it's hard to do. It's hard to separate yeah. the two. Um, however, with somebody like you, you did the job, you did your time, and then you got out and you, you, you know, you're running your own business. So now you're a business owner and you're a social media, um, personality. Uh, and with that, that police persona fades away, not completely, but it's, it's way different than what mine's going to be mm-hmm. fully admit. I, I know it's going to be different than mine. So that, that, I think that gives more credibility to the things you say because you're not doing the job anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, get pulled over. And you're a person of color. Mm-hmm. And that's not a, it's not a knock. It's not anything. It's a different perspective. And it gives you a level of credibility that I will never be able to have. So in that, that's pretty cool that you're doing that. I didn't realize they were two separate things. I thought that it was all under the same umbrella. Yeah. So Suresh Actual. Yeah. I, okay. I've kind of started to lean toward that because because of the let me say nature of certain social media platforms they don't want talk about let me say the truth and certain viewpoints spoken about and if you they notice that you are speaking about certain points of things going on in our society from a certain standpoint or a certain point of view they will make sure that no one sees your content. Okay. So although people were wanting more and more content and insight from me with regard to those things like social topics and things like that, it was hurting people finding out about our products and our brand. And were you being shadow banned? Is that what you're telling me? Yes. No not, shit. Not just shadow banned, shut down. Completely shut really? down. Really? Yeah. So you have, you know, platforms like Facebook, who was obviously in their own Instagram. That was where it was happening. And we went from plenty of people noticing our products on Facebook, coming to our website, purchasing, super happy. Uh, same with Instagram. And next thing you know, 
slowly and sh- you know but surely and then next you know boom it you know it didn't happen overnight but it happened yeah. over time well then, you know that's gonna flip 180 yeah not 360 180 because you were on the two cops one don't it, podcast i'm hoping so shit you're gonna get millions of bucks. i'm hoping so Fuck. i don't know i'm hoping so they'll be like oh maybe he's not that crazy <laughs> you're gonna help me way more than i'm gonna be able to help you brother uh yeah and i you know what i and that's how it works you know? yeah and so so this is like like this is not just like Suresh talking to Eric on a podcast. This is what I want people to notice and see. Like this is what America is. Like I am a man of color talking who yeah, I was a cop and it's funny a lot of these incidents that happen and these people get up in arms and are like all anti-cop. They forget there's black cops. Yeah. Like when they're all talking about like, it's like you, you would think if you were like, you know, a Martian looking in and you were looking at some of these riots and some of these, whatever you would think like, man, there must be no black cops. It's just like all white cops that are just out there. hundred percent white cops just out there just killing black people when they feel <laughs> yeah. like it. Cause they're bored. You know, you would think that, but no man, there is like, I don't even know how many tens of thousands of black police officers who are freaking good people, awesome cops. You know, the uh, the shooting that just occurred, um, I did the video on it. It's, it's escaping me now because I've been, like, traveling and not sleeping for two weeks. Um, but um, there were seven, eight officers. See, I just did it. I'm going to get to that. There were eight officers that shot this young black man that bailed out after a foot pursuit and he had shot at the cops during the Oh pursuit. yeah 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 like the car like comes yeah, to like the yeah. slow creep and I'm like yeah I saw that video right so and uh, they shot like 80 times 90, some crazy like ass times. number yeah. yeah so during the pursuit he shot out the window at the cops it's on video right? yeah and then he pulled over and then the car kind of started creeping forward and he bailed out the passenger side he was dressed in all black from head to toe and mm-hmm. had a full black face, face mask. ski mask on yeah. ski mask on yeah so when he got out of the car started running you had no idea who the hell was behind all yeah. those clothes and all of that so there was eight cops there and they all shot i believe a total of 90 rounds and you know he uh passed away um and, and of course you know um it's a horrible incident you don't ever want to see that yeah but the media all automatically started talking about how seven officers shot this person, shot by seven officers. There were eight officers there. Yeah. And seven were white. One was black. And I immediately said to myself, why are they only talking about the seven white officers? Why are they not talking about the eighth black officer that was there that fired just as many bullets at that young black man as everyone yeah. else. And if I remember correctly, there was one officer that didn't fire. I believe that's coming out now. I think one officer didn't. I, I could be wrong. I don't, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on this at all. Um, I'm just going off memory. I think one officer didn't fire either. Maybe he didn't have a shot, whatever it was. I, I'm not going to make an excuse, yeah. but I think there was one officer didn't fire and it wasn't a black guy. No, it wasn't a black guy. Yeah. So, so you look at that and you say, hmm, why would the media not want to talk about the black officer that shot the black man 20 times? Yeah. That's weird. Like, so I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're black. 
I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're a man, a woman, trans, somewhere in between. I don't care if you're gay, you're straight. I don't care if you voted for Donald Trump. I don't care if you voted for Joe Biden. If you and you believe Trump was like evil devil, what? I don't care who you are, where you come from. At some point, if you say, I don't think there's a problem with the media not talking about the black officer on scene who shot that black man 20 times, something's wrong with you. Yeah. You're not right. Yeah. And if you are ignoring that fact, you're no better than the guy that was in the White House with the orange yeah. skin that you that everyone hated. Yeah. You're no if, better if than If you're him. trying to cover the story honestly. Right. If that was your concern, the amount of rounds that were fired, then it should be everybody. Everyone. Everybody that was included. Yeah. Whether even the officer that didn't fire. Yeah. All of them. Everyone. But I think the real truth of the matter is it had nothing to do with the scenario. It had everything to do with how can I get as many clicks as I can possibly yeah. get? Because at the end of the day, if you shoot at the cops and you don't give up, you're going to get killed Yeah, or shot. Yeah. One of the two. One of the two. Like that's the end results. That's how it is. What? If you shoot at the police and you, even if you, you intend to give up, but you run rather than give up after you shot at them, you can pretty much expect that you're going to get shot. Mm-hmm. Like that's the way I see that. Now, if you shot at police and then all of a sudden have a moment of clarity and you give up, hands up, Uh okay, that's a different scenario. If the cops light you up while your hands are up and you're trying to give up, you know, barring some weird circumstance because there's, you know, somebody gives up like this, you know, it looks like you're drawing a gun, whatever it is. Um, Then, then we have a story, right? Somebody tried to give up. Okay. Like our job is when the use of force drops down, we match, we come down. We're always one level above, but Mm -hmm. we start to drop our use of force. So if you shoot at the police and then you try to run, like you can expect to get shot at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you've already showed your intention. You've shot. Not only do you not give a shit about the police officer's lives, you don't give a shit about civilian lives because you don't know where those rounds are going. No, you're driving on the highway. You're an immediate threat to the public and the police. And the public doesn't think about that for right. the most part until someone gets struck by a stray bullet. Yes. You know, I have a friend whose friend's son was riding the CTA in Chicago, just riding as a college student, stray bullet went through the train window and hit him in the neck. Ultimately dead. Damn. And that's you know, not an easy way to go. That's not an easy way to go. That's not on life, life, I mean, it life, is quick, life support for, I think two, three days. Damn. You know, and, you know, these are just a good people, good family, and, you know, they lost their son. So, you know, everything matters. So when I saw certain people on social media were like, oh, so he shot at the cops while he was, you know, fleeing from them. He didn't hit him. He didn't hit the cops. Yeah. Or that's what they signed up for. That's my favorite. Yeah, that's what they signed up for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what we signed up for to get shot at. Yeah. Right. No one signs up for that. Right. We're willing to accept that risk, but we sure as hell ain't inviting it. Right. Exactly. It's like no one would ever say that if a guy working on a lineman, like those electrical linemen, fell off a pole. Well, that's what he signed up for. He signed up to fall off the pole and die. No, he didn't. No. He signed up so when there's a storm and there's power outage, to go up there and restore your power. Yeah. Shout out to our electrical guys. Yeah, sign out to those linemen. Those are good dudes. Yeah. Um, So that's what he signed up for. 
not to fall off the pole and die or not to get electrocuted. Yeah. That's not what he signed up yeah, for. Strippers too. They didn't sign up to fall off the pole. No. You ever see one fall off a no. pole? <laughs> I've seen it on the internet. It's terrifying. They know, right? Yeah. No, I've only seen it on the internet too. Yeah, but too. like, it's like, it's like, you know, someone sent like those meme videos and you're like, first of all, how are you filming inside a strip club? Right. It's completely illegal. Second of Is all. Is that illegal? I don't know. I don't know. I'm married. I don't go to strip clubs. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> they skeeve me out. I've never been a strip club. I'm I'm a germaphobe, so like I think you know that. Uh, yes. Yeah. That so makes I sense. Don't, yeah, I don't I don't yeah. do them, but like, you know, you'd say like, "Oh man, yeah, they they I don't know, they got liability insurance." I That's guess. why I told you about those headphones. I wanted to make sure you knew that they've never been worn by a person. I know, because you like didn't have yeah. any wipes here for no, a No, I already like, wipe every, I wipe everything down after every show. Okay. Yes, good. even the mics. I know. Yeah. I even have a it's not in here. I have an ultraviolet thing. Oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I I use the ultraviolet thing on the mics, and um, I the uh, the other headset I would wipe that off. But yeah. I, when I found that, I was like, oh, Suresh will have a fresh headset, even though it looks beat up. It's beat up because it's just been sitting in a thrown around in yes. a crate. Yeah, yeah. We'll get you some. We'll get you some proper ones too. We'll hook you up. We'll oh. Take care. Yeah, we'll take care. You the man. Um, <laughs> I got these new ones. Audio Technica. They're, I mean, I know the company. Yeah, I got yeah. these new ones, like some. New, I guess for podcasting, yeah. whatever. I doing. showed you these. Yeah, it's like an earpiece is falling off. I love these. These ever anchor. Yeah, and yeah. I've had these for years. Yeah, um, they've been great, but they've gotten a lot more use since I started the podcast. Yeah, so. of course. But yeah. so anyway, sorry about that. You know, when I when I look at, you know, going back to talking about like what the public knows, you know. You look at, oh, oh, well, you got just shot at the police. Well, you know, listen, you got to understand that, like, if you shoot at the police and you miss the police, you can't say, well, he didn't, he shot at the police, but he didn't hit him. Well, he shot at the police and that bullet went somewhere. Yeah. In the case of Chicago, it killed a man. It killed a young boy. Yeah. You know, so. Who knows what he would have been. Right. You know, so don't just say that, you yeah. know, it just, it's, it's, that's not how you like get past it. Yeah. And also. When you get out of the car and you run from the police after you just shot at them, they're going to assume you have a gun on you. Yeah. They don't know that you left it in the car. You just shot at them. You know, they assume that you have the gun on you. Yeah. And when you turn around and face them and throw your hands in the air, they, you know, a lot of people shortly thereafter, after that incident, there was that um, uh, incident where that uh that person shot all those people at that parade. Was it the July 4th parade? Oh, yeah. He right. killed uh, the, the worst part of that, as I heard, he killed parents. The parents of a, tri- of child. a, a child. Yeah. yeah. That was terrible. Crazy. Yeah. So people saw the video of him surrendering. Okay. Yeah. They stopped him at a traffic light. He got out. And they're like, of course they didn't shoot him because he's a white guy. They shouldn't shoot him because he's a white guy. Yeah. And I'm like saying, so I played the video side by side. And I said, here's the video of this young black man. The car comes to a stop. They're all screaming. And now the car is like creeping forward, moving, and it's still rolling. And he jumps out the passenger side and is running and then turns around and reaches for his waist. Yeah. Gets shot. This other guy who happens to be white that, you know, shot at the parade. Got stopped at the traffic light. Get out of the car, put his hands followed up. Followed all commands. Followed every command. You could hear the commands on the on the PA. Yes. Followed every command. I tell you right now, <coughs> if that guy made a move, he would have had ninety bullets in him. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. But he just followed every command. 
Mm-hmm. He didn't resist. And there's plenty of videos out there of m- minorities doing the same thing. There's a Fol- million. Following the commands, exactly. A, a million videos. Yeah. And people don't ever show that. No. They don't ever show that. They don't ever yeah. show the tens of thousands, millions, whatever, of arrests that happen every year yeah. of black men, young black men, old black men, whatever, black women, that when they get pulled over by the police and they have a warrant for their arrest or whatever, they comply. Yeah. And they don't fight. They mm. don't resist. They don't do anything. Mm. And they are hale and hearty going to jail. Mm. At the worst, they, they just try to, you know, I will say robustly plea. This fucking bullshit. Yeah. You ain't got nothing better to do. But they're doing everything you ask them to do. Yes, exactly. They so, know it's just business. It has nothing to do with it. It's just yeah. we're doing our job. If I could put one thing in anybody's mind, your time to argue and make the cop look like a dumbass is court. That's what court is for. You I, don't get to make the cop look like a dumbass on the side of the road. You're never going to win that, for yep. one. And two, it just makes you look worse when you get to court. Yep. But if you, I like the Bugs Bunny approach. Give them a big old kiss, Elmer Fudd kiss, and treat them overtly yeah. great. Just yeah. treat them amazing. Because if they are wrong and you are that person, one, I want you to win a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. I want that department's insurance to fucking pay. Yep. And two, you're gonna incre- you're going to improve police training. Sure. That's why I love. I wrote this down earlier. I meant to mention it. Um, First Amendment people, the First Amendment auditors, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of cops that fucking can't stand them. You ain't got nothing better to do. Listen, guys, First Amendment auditors, First Amendment auditors have improved police training. Mm-hmm. It, despite how douchey you think they may oh, be acting, hundred percent, but they have improved police training, especially when cameras became, you know, it's on everybody's cell phone. And they start going, showing up to police departments and stuff like, what are you doing? And the officer's like, give me your ID and all that stuff. Like, cops didn't know. We talked about this earlier. They didn't know that you can't just grab somebody's ID sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you just because you don't like what they're doing, I get it. It seems weird. It was different. That hasn't, that wasn't a thing before. No. So, cops work off instinct and you're like, this seems like it's illegal. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to stop and ID this guy at least, figure out what the hell's going on. Okay, cool. Well, guess what? You didn't know this, but you were wrong. Yep. So we need to fix that. We need we need to improve this training. Now there's a lot of cops out there that have had the First Amendment training, understand, just like the Second Amendment activists that go out there and carry a rifle, carry a pistol, open carry in these places that most people don't. Yep. And you'll get officers hemming them up, and they, they didn't know any better. And guess what? They fucking know now. Yeah, so, they learn. So I... I I applaud the citizens that that take the time to go out and press these issues to improve policing. Then maybe that that's probably not their intentions. Yeah. Their intentions may be to make a quick buck, may be to do whatever, but at the end of the day, if I can take a tragedy or a a bad police interaction and improve policing, I I don't want to be the example, don't get me wrong, yeah. but I I'm definitely going to improve upon those incidents. And so when you talk about the guy that, that, you know, fled, shot at police and then fled, like, I don't, I don't know. Like you are harping on the wrong problem. What, I don't, how can I improve policing from that? I think that's what, that's a culture problem and that's yeah. a uh, parenting problem. And I know that's uncomfortable for a lot of people to say, 
Mm-hmm. And I know I could say it more readily than you can say it, but the truth is true. No matter whose mouth it comes out of, truth is true. And in and a lot of people have said it. A lot of prominent black people have said it. Candace and, Owens is a big proponent. Yeah, but I, you know, even you know Candace Owens, everyone knows that she's, you know, I don't want to say she's far right, whatever, but she's definitely on the right and a yeah. proponent of it. But even even some black folks that aren't so on the right and aren't so open uh, about that, just like they're kind of like in the middle, yeah, you know, or maybe even a little bit more toward the left. And when they say it, it almost hits home more. When they're like, listen, there's a cultural problem in the black community where you have this understanding almost that it's like the police are against you and you can, you know, say F the police and you could say, you do all this stuff and that's okay. And the police shoot you without any reason and all this stuff. I posted a video uh, to my personal page. The company tried to post it and it got taken down. Um, it was a a little, a little, a little black boy on the street corner, maybe like three or four years old, maybe not even five and and, in like a diaper. And he was like smacking a police officer saying cursing shit, cursing at him, you know, cursing at him, Mm -hmm. talking shit, you know, and it was like disturbing. It breaks my heart. It was disturbing. This little toddler. Yeah. Like. Yeah, talking to a police officer like that, and but that that toddler didn't come out of the womb. No, talking like that Mm-mm. and feeling like that toward the police. That was taught, and that little child was only four or five years old. Yeah. Maybe, maybe four or five years old. I don't even think so. And was acting like that and treating the police like that. Yeah. So it's taught. It's taught, and it's wrong. And as long as it continues to be taught, we're never going to get through this. We're never going to get past it. And on the other side, as long as it's continued to be taught to, and, and it happens that, oh, you know, black people are, you know, naturally and, you know, inherently criminals and they do this and they do this and do this, which of course, you know, is being spoken in certain homes across the country. Until that stops, you're not going to have any kind of, you know, equality or, you know, people recognizing what the fact of the matter is. There's good on both sides. Yeah. And police need to understand when, you know, we go back to the roommate scenario that you were talking about. Like, I I remember specifically bringing this up, you know, growing up around Flint, predominantly, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty good split Mm -hmm. as far as uh, ethnicities and whatnot. But um, I tried to help recruits understand like even if it's based off entire entirely off of a uh, social media and, and rumor mill that police are out to gun down black people stuff like that mm-hmm. that's out there mm-hmm. and that is the mindset that you may have when you pull over a young black male and you're a white cop mm-hmm. it doesn't even though you know it may not be true we know that's not true, uh, but that doesn't matter. That's in his mind. Yeah. He is going to act a certain way Yes, that you need to be prepared for and understand. Yep. It doesn't just because you pulled him over and he's acting hinky. Like that's, that's something you need to consider. This is a big picture of everything. Yeah. You know, okay. Consider it. 
what other factors do you have? Do you, you got an odor of something? Do you have this? Do you have that? There's all, there's all these other factors. That I don't care how much I preach it to you as a, a, a rookie. You ain't going to get that until you've got the experience. Yeah. So you've correct. got the time in. Correct. So for the public, that's something I hope you understand. Like, I want them to get that part. Like, you're getting some kids in here. And I say kids. I don't mean that, you know, in a derogatory fashion. But younger people becoming yeah, officers. Sure. That... Grew up in, you know, Iowa in a cornfield, you know, mm-hmm. it was a stereotypical white boy. And they haven't had the experience. And now we're putting them into a scenario. Um, I'm going to go down another rabbit hole. Okay. Sure. This is what bothers me. And you tell me if you saw this in police work. Internally, we don't take our rookies and get to know them a little bit before we put them on the side of town they're going to. Now, you take somebody like me and you put me over in in the hood, in a predominantly black neighborhood. I'm going to do just fine. Mm-hmm. I grew up in that. Yeah. I'm okay. Yep. That's that's a good spot to put a white boy rookie. That's yeah. fine. But then you're going to, you got Iowa boy that didn't grow up in that, has no experience other than going through the academy, mm-hmm. and then you stick him over there. You just created a problem. Oh, 100%. You set him up for failure, you set the community up for failure. Because you put him in a position of fear. Yeah. In an area that he's never worked in. Yeah. In a type of... Now, I get the whole sink or swim type of sure. mentality. Sure. But I would rather set him up in an area that... Let's gradually get him accustomed. Mm-hmm. Let him get used to the job first. He's going to be dealing... Let's face It doesn't matter. As a cop, if you're in an all-white area, you're still going to get a good mix. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But if you go and stick an officer in an area that... He's culturally just lost. I admittedly coming down to Texas, completely lost in the Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. I have no experience with that. So when I got here, um, it wasn't that I was getting into uses of force necessarily, but I was creating more problems. I, I was escalating this, the environment a lot more because I didn't understand the dynamics of a Hispanic family hierarchy. I was telling a male in his own house that he needs to not necessarily shut up, but I don't want to hear you right now. Get over here. I'm going to talk to her. And that's a no go. Mm -hmm. At least in my experience down here, what I should have done and what I ended up learning was, sir, I need to talk to you and your wife, my partner here. You know, I'm going to have her talk to you. Is it cool if I go talk to your wife? If I had just led with that, I would have been fine. Sure. Through it, but it took me a couple of years to figure that out. Mm-hmm. It took a Hispanic officer to say, like, Levine, bro, like, try it this way. Mm-hmm. He knew I wasn't coming in trying to start some shit. Yeah. I just was dumb. I just yep. didn't know. I'm dumb. Ignorant. I was ignorant. 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 Um, so when it comes to fixing these problems, I think internally, as at least as law enforcement, these are factors, if we can take the time to consider. Mm-hmm. And do a little bit more research before we send somebody out to a side of town rather than just going that side of town short because nobody fucking wants to work that side of town. Like, don't just stick everybody over there. Yeah. You need to tell some of your senior officers, like, look, I know you've done your time, but guess what? You do a lot better work over here because you're used to this environment. You know how to talk to the people and it's what's best for the citizens. Yeah. Not what's best for you. And I'm sorry, cops out there. It isn't what's best for you. It's what's best for the city. 100%. And you're going to get cops that argue, I did my time. I did it. 
a part of me agrees with you. I'm with that. But if it means I'm going to stick 17 new rookies on that side of town because that's the bad side of town and I have no seniority over there because you did your time and you're going to work day shift, sorry, I can't do that. Yeah, That's not what's best for the city. Yeah. That's not that, that doesn't work. And that's not what's best for my rookies. I need the seniority over there. I need somebody that knows how to work that side of town. White, black, Hispanic, Asian, it don't matter. Boy, girl, I don't give a shit. It's what's best for that side of town. And I think that's where a lot of cities, they get into some shit. It's always what? Zero to five year officer. Mm-hmm. And there's no senior officer over there. Almost always. So yep. these are things we need to fix, man. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how in the long run, how to start fixing these things because you feel like that when some of the people who were pretty open-minded when they're on the road, when they get to admin, all of a sudden they like, I don't know what changes. Something. Something changes and they no longer are open to some of the ideas that I think would, you know, be valuable and relevant to what you know needs to be done and the problems that need to be addressed. And I don't know what that is. I don't know why that happens. It's almost like, why do some politicians do so well on the local level? But then as soon as they go to DC, they just kind of flounder. Yeah. And they kind of go with the, 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 what needs to be done. We know the answer, you know, and it's, it's, they don't want, they don't want to lose their position. Yes. They don't want to lose their power. We they finally the made it to DC and they're now there and they want to stay. Yeah. They want to stay and they're going to do whatever. And and if they get to D.C. and they find out, listen, hey, you're now in the big leagues. You're now in D.C. This is what you need to do mm-hmm. to play the game and stay here and maybe even move up. Yeah. This is what you want to do. If you don't want to, well, then you might, you're going to find yourself outed. And if you've worked all that time to get there, you're going to do what. And that same thing with police departments. You have people who they've been on the road. And how many times have you heard patrol guys say about someone in a power position in admin saying, man, did he like forget what it's like to be like on the road? Yeah. Did he forget about like patrol? Did he like, does he not know he used to be a patrolman? Yeah. Like what happened? Does he like, well, how did he forget about like us? And it's not that he forgot. He knows he understands what it's like to be a patrolman. He worked the night shift. He works, you know, swings. He worked, he did everything. It's just that now he's in a position where he needs to make a decision, focus on the concerns of the people who are still working where he came from, or really cater to the people who are now maybe in the town council position, you know, or the mayor position or whatever to keep his job. Yeah. And keep everyone happy, you know, that he needs to make a decision. And you've probably seen the chief's, who and the sheriffs who don't do that and they don't care about the admin and the politics and they all that they just say this is how i feel this is the reality of the situation i'm sorry if it hurts your feelings yeah. but my guys on patrol are the most important to me and this is what i yeah. am saying those guys are the outliers that's why when you post a video of one of those chiefs or one of those like yeah. sheriffs everyone's like fuck yeah man yeah, yeah. that's good like um, the chief where i worked he was a complete pussy he was a complete pussy he was a pushover he cheated on his wife he like he was just a complete loser his father was a racist he was a racist and he just became a politician 
Ugh, he just became a politician. Everyone was like, man, what happened to him? What happened to him? He was so good on patrol. He was so good on the road. What happened to him? Did he like forgot about yeah. patrols? Yes. Yes. Because I'm, he realized he needed to play that. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. And this will be a public announcement. My whole aspirate, I want to be a chief. Mm-hmm. I want to be a sheriff. I want to be someone at the top. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is for exactly what you're saying. I'm not, I don't want, I'm never going to be the guy that forgets where he came from and tries to improve policing, not just through the community, but through the patrol aspect. There's has to be a healthy balance. Mm -hmm. You're either going to get too far police or you're going to get too far community. One of the two that Mm -hmm. seems to be the bump on every type of leader. Now there's certain ones like that. uh, You talked about sheriffs and, uh, and chiefs and stuff like that. Um, there's one in Minnesota, that black guy. I can't remember his name, but he's amazing. Everybody always talks about him. He's an outlier. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other one. Uh, I want to say it's called Broward County or Florida. It's in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe Polk County or something like that. Um, anyway, those two guys, they're, they're, they're just these huge outliers because they don't, they don't push towards their police and they don't push towards the community. They push towards the action. Mm-hmm. And there was one, he was like, you know, why'd your guys shoot 68 rounds or whatever? Because like, they ran out of bullets. He's like, they shot at police. If you shoot at my police officers, you're yep. going to guarantee. That was Florida. They, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're going to shoot back. It's something and I'm paraphrasing, obviously. So when we talk about that stuff, like that's the type of leadership I like. It has nothing to do with the bad guy. It has nothing to do with the police department. It's all about the action. Mm-hmm. And that's how they put it. And it becomes an outlier. So I, I fully intend to go as high as I can go because mm-hmm. I want to, I want, like, I want to affect change. Obviously I want to affect change. Yeah. And somebody asked me recently, they're like, aren't you nervous? Like you're, you're putting yourself out on social media. If you ever try to go for a chief spot, they're going to use this against you. And I said, I'm being me. If they don't want me, for how I'm acting on the show because I curse. You tell me you don't curse? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to go curse on the news show. Yeah. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to keep it PC like I'm supposed yeah, to. Yeah, sure. Professional. I'm not on job right now. This is mine. This is, I spent 20 grand to try to bridge the gap between me and the community on my own dime. I'm not St. Levine. That ain't what I'm trying to say. But I believed in what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I, I have a passion for it just like you when you started your company to try to improve life for police officers. Yep. It had nothing to do with going out and trying to make money. I know that about you. Oh no. I, didn't I know that about yeah. you. And so when people hear me say it because they know me, they're going to know that it's true. At least I hope they do. Yeah. So when I get asked, you know, like, aren't you worried that people are going to look back? They're going to use this against you when you try to go to for a police position, say at some department, because eventually I'm going to be a chief somewhere Yeah. or sheriff, whatever it is. I'm going to be in a place of high position and I'm going to try to make a police department the way I've always envisioned it. I'm not saying I have the best vision, but I sure as hell have great perspective on people that have good ideas for police departments. Mm -hmm. And so go ahead, use what I've done against me. If I'm not for you, I'm not for you. Yeah. But the department that takes me based on despite all of this, that's the department I want to work for. Mm-hmm. Those are the citizens I want to serve because we got a like mindset. We're trying to accomplish the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you want to work at the place that looks at 
what you're doing here and says, that's the guy we want. Yeah. We want that kind of guy. Yes. Ideally, they want to bring you on and say, hey, keep doing the podcast. Yes. Keep doing what you're doing with that. Like, we want that. We want you to continue to spread that message because that, I mean, we're going into an era where technology is so rampant. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's actually hard to see someone. You try it. Yeah. Try to go about your daily life and look for someone who doesn't have a phone in their hand. Yeah. In their hand. Yeah. Not just like, oh, uh, you know, not on their person. It's just yeah. in their hand. Yeah. And it's hard during the course of the day to like find people, even driving. Yeah. Even driving. I see people with their phone in their hand. Yeah. You know, it's always in their hand. So technology is there. People are consuming data mm-hmm. all the time. This is a lost skill set. Talking? Yeah. Oh. Look how long we've, we've been talking for two hours. Young generation can't even have a. F- 15 minute job interview. I've talked to so many CEOs of other companies and they have people come in for interviews. And of course a CEO isn't interviewing them. I don't interview employees, you know, um, but are we talking about Brad? They hear nah, not even beyond that, you oh, know, okay. but like they, they, they got to sit down and talk to people and yeah. it's like, they can't have a conversation. They can't have a discussion and it's like, okay, do you want to like not sit here across from each other or do you want to sit here across from each other and just like snapchat each other is would that work better for you right because you can't communicate mm-hmm. and that's really dangerous in a job like police work yeah you have to be you're going up to people who you don't know and you now need to communicate with them and it's even more uncomfortable because you're 22 or 23 years old you don't have kids. Hell, you may not even have a dog. Hell, you may be still living at home your with parents your parents. House, yes. And now you're going to a home where there's a domestic issue, where a husband and wife with children are fighting, and now you have to play social worker to help figure out what happened, help calm the situation down, tell a man that he has to pack a bag and leave his own house to go stay at a friend's house, you know, and you got to talk to the kids to console them to figure out what happened or all this stuff you got to figure out or, you, you know, you see property damage or visible signs of injury. And now you got to lock up the, the dad or the mom. I've locked up both, you know, for, you know, domestic violence. And now you have to manage all that. And like I said, like you're still living at home with your parents and you don't even have a goldfish. Yeah. You know that you got to you're responsible for. So that's once again, people don't know. Yeah. People don't know. People have no understanding. So platforms like this and are great, but you have a whole generation of people that are they going to, if they can't even sit and have a job interview, are they going to be able to knock on someone's door and really kind of, let me say, handle a domestic like incident? Yeah. You know, with strangers who they've never met, they could barely have conversations with their friends. They don't young kids these days. They don't call their friends anymore. There's no calling. It's all between digital text messaging well it's not really texting because you know there's one whole demographic they don't even text anymore it's they snap each other yeah you know so how do those children go into that next level of life you can't snap your boss for a job interview you can't like snap the board of directors for a an update on the company's progress you, you can't do those things yeah. you need to have a conversation you need to talk have face-to-face eye contact conversation talking about it the lost art it's just it's becoming extinct yeah it's really becoming extinct and you know i don't know what the next generation is going to do 
but they better figure it out yeah. fast because when it comes to even police work, if you're not used to talking to strangers face to face, that's a major problem. I grew up and my childhood job was a bike shop. And I worked in a bike shop, you know, repairing bikes, selling new bikes. And you were face-to-face with people. Yeah. You were talking to people every day. You were dealing with objections. You were dealing with their concerns, trying to figure out their concerns. People would come in. Is this person concerned about price? Is this person mm. compared, you know, concerned about quality? You know, what are their concerns? You would kind of have to navigate and figure that out and then craft your conversation around that. And the bike community is a quirky community too. It's quirky. It is. Yeah, I love them. I mountain bike. I was, you know, I used to be a you know major avid mountain biker, and um, you know, you have to be very concise in what you're talking about, what you're sharing with them, and it's just communication, man. And people just don't do it right, and people just don't know what they're doing, and. When it comes to police work and what we're talking about with like, you know, some of these police involved shootings and things like that, it's going to I can if it, nothing is done to address it, it's only going to get worse. You know, it's only going to get worse. You know, I've always prided myself on my ability to communicate with people mm-hmm. orally like you want to be able to speak to them, you know, even if you write, even if you're well written. Mm-hmm. OK, good. I know people who write very well. But when it comes to sitting face to face with someone and having a discussion, are they a good orator? Can you give a presentation? Yeah. I know a lot of people who can write a great research paper, thorough, very thorough, very concise. But if you say, okay, you need to present this paper in front of this room of 500 people, and they'll be like, I can't do that. I can't do it. I've seen it. Like, I can't do it. Let's shut right the fuck down. What do you mean you can't do it? I I can't do it. You know? So becoming the person who can have the knowledge and the capacity to do what we're doing, I've spoken in front of 600 people at one point and maybe more. And I know how to work the room. I know how to speak. I know how to, you know, pinpoint certain people, you know, gauge the reaction of the crowd. No one like it's something you're supposed to say that, you know, you're trying to say that's funny, falls flat, you know, and how to pivot from that. That's all you got to learn how to do that. And that goes the same for, uh, you know, when you're having an argument with your wife or trying to, you know, reprimand your children or you're a police officer on a traffic stop and, or you're going into a domestic violence situation. You got to be able to know where, how to manage that. And if you don't, you're at a major disadvantage. The problem is I think we're getting to a point where no one's going to know how to do that. Yeah. No one's going to know how to do it. I do have hope though. I'll give you a, give me an example. I don't. Um, he says I don't. I don't. Here's here's my hope. Here's my hope. Let, well, let's refresh. Let's refresh our bed. Our get adult some, beverages. Uh, refresh with some of this. Sweet. I've been thinking about Texas barbecue since I've been in Texas, and I don't know if there's a barbecue place around here because when I was on Did my way here, you not get any yet. No, and every place looked closed when I was on my way here. What's today? Sunday. Everything looked closed. I'm like, where where are we? It says the Bible Belt. So when we get done. With this, well, I'll, I, if you, especially if your flight's still delayed, um, I have a couple go-to places that I will see if they're open. Yeah. I, I don't know if they are. So if they're not, I'm sorry. You missed out. But. I have to, if, like, go to Subway and get, like, a football. Well, no, no. There's still, even the worst of they're Texas barbecue, they're, they're still decent. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but here's where I have hope. Um, just with the podcast alone. Mm. Um I've had in the last month, let's just say the last month, mm-hmm. 
three sub 18 kids reach out to me. Love the podcast. Um, I want to be a cop. These are the things I'm looking at. Da, 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 da. I mean, Tom, don't do it. Very articulate. No, I tell. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm. I'm very weird about that. I'm. I'm kind of the opposite of most cops. Yes, in these times, it's rough. But if you do your homework and you look for the right agency, police works everywhere. There's nothing oh, beholding yeah. Yeah. to you. You do not have to go be a cop in your city if it's anti-cop. Go to the places they support their police. Mm-hmm. Go to those where I'm at. They. Love us. I mean, it's proven. They like us. We're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so if you do your homework and you, you pick the right places, it's a great job. I don't feel the same pressure that they're feeling in Chicago, that they're feeling in Baltimore, that they feel in Detroit, that they feel in, in Portland, Oregon. You know, like they, these places are notorious because they don't have the citizen support. Yeah. But if you go somewhere like where I'm at, I have citizen support. Um, and smaller agencies typically tend to support their police in, in, in general. There's, I'm not saying totally. But um, so I have these, you know, I, just recently, um, I'll give him a little shout out. I think his uh, gamer tag was Wish, uh, something Wish. Mm-hmm. But um, he reached out to me. He's like, I'm trying to do a ride along at my department. He's like, I'm 17. Um, they haven't gotten back with me. I don't know what to do. Um, and I'm not sure who to reach out to. And he's like, and also I'd like to be on your podcast. I'm like, okay, well, one, you're technically a juvenile, Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to have you on my podcast Mm -hmm. unless he's part of an Explorer program. He said he was part of Explorers, which Explorer programs are amazing, especially if they've got a good setup going. Mm -hmm. Um, I said, do me a favor. Get a hold of your explorer officer. Have him reach out to me. I'll get you both on. We'll talk about why you want to be a cop in this day and age. And he'll talk about the training he's doing for explorers. I think that'd be a great episode. Um, I said, and on top of that, tell me what agency it is you're trying to get a hold of. I will send an email from my police department mm. saying, hey, I got a friend looking for a ride out with your department. He doesn't know who to get a hold of, and he's trying to get some feedback. So could you, they'll, they'll respond to me because yeah, I'm sure. a police officer. Yeah. So. I reached out to him for him. Um, and this was only a couple of days ago, but that's, that's service. That is like, that's what I signed up to do. If yeah. I got a kid that's interested in being a cop in this day and age, and he knows the department he has is a good department that he wants to go towards. Yeah. I'm going to help facilitate that. However I can, if I can reach out and get a professional courtesy, great, whatever it is. Yeah. So I have a little hope, uh, but I'm eternally an optimistic person. Um, you are too. So I, I am too. I just, I just don't have, I have the sense of what's happening in our society and what's happening behind the scenes and, yeah. you know, different agendas and different yeah. motives based on the narratives that are being out there. And to me, like I see that and I, it's real. I mean, I see it in plain sight, what's happening and it, worries me to even recommend anyone to go into a field where I feel like not only is the deck stacked against you from the public standpoint, but when the media is also 
positioning to have everything stacked against you, I think it's even scarier. Yeah. Because then you could literally be doing something 100% right, mm-hmm. totally justified, and yet the m- most powerful industry on the planet, which is the media, can spin it as if you're just a cold-blooded killer. And this is where cops fuck up. Not cops. This is where police departments screw up. They don't utilize social media to their advantage. And that's what this is about. Yeah. And that's my point. You control your narrative when you put out 100% of what the narrative is. Yeah. You control it. And you have the platform to do so. Don't depend on having this press conference. Don't depend on that. The press conference is a is an added bonus. What you do is you make your own. You get your own little studio going. If I can do this, a police department can sure, do it. Sure, 100%. So get your own little thing going. Here's my message. Here's what it is on this topic. Uh, the officer involved shooting. This is what happened. Yep. Bam, 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 bam. This is the facts that we have. Great. You can get that spun up in 24 hours if necessary, and it's not going to hurt the, the investigation. Boom. Yep. Get it done. It's on you. Now, that unfettered, unedited version of what you guys have is out there mm-hmm. and you controlled a hundred percent of it. If the media chooses to share that great. If they don't, that tells you something about your media and then you can hold your media accountable because the departments that are jumping on board with that type of message and in putting the information out there as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I do have a problem with the, the general public wanting something instantly. Like that's just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. There's too many factors that you, that you just don't understand because you're not involved in it. And you don't know all the laws, and I will do my best to let you know. But a lot of times, it just has something to do with personal information and juveniles. Yeah. If I try to put a video out there of an officer involved shooting, and there's a school in the background, a hospital in the background, there's something that shows a kid, whatever it is, somebody's got to go through all that video and scrub it. They cannot show that it's against the law. Yeah. So they got to blur out a face. They got to do this. That takes time. Yeah. It will be out there. I don't think 72 hours is um, unreasonable if you have no. a team available for a major department. Small departments, they don't have that. No, they have no one. Yeah. yeah. You've got, you've got, yeah. you got a guy like me that has to go, oh, okay, I am the control tactics instructor. I'm an FTO, and I'm the social media guy. Like, they do all these things. And they don't have that type of practice because this stuff doesn't happen to them that often. So these are factors to consider when all of that goes down. But when we're talking about the media, fuck them. You don't need them. You don't need them anymore. You've got control. And this is what all departments need to step up, take advantage of, and start putting out their narrative. Because it, it it's a narrative based on facts. That's all they have. That's all they got. That's, That's all, all they, they can got. go with, you know? So if they throw out their narrative as soon as they can, uh, reasonably, um, boom, they, they, there's nothing the media can do to them to spin shit because it's out there. And even better, if they put out that and they say, this mirrors what we sent out to you previously in the information we disseminated to you. Yeah. You know, if you noticed, you know, the like I said before, the document that came with your water bill or your sewer bill or whatever you know, outline this, this, and this. Well, here you go. In this incident that just occurred, yeah. here you go. This is what happened. So, you know, no shock, no surprise. Everyone knows, you know, the deal. So to me, I think that you have to, you have to share that knowledge. You have to share that information. But I 
think it's also a little bit where, you know, I don't, I don't want to say there's police departments that are knowingly setting up their officers for failure. I think once again, it's ignorance. Ignorance. It's ignorance. And they just feel like they're, they feel like they're doing their job by, you know, giving their recruits academy training, things like that. But I also feel like there has to be some chiefs out there that are looking at the training they got and realizing that 20 years later, their new recruits are getting essentially the same exact training. Yeah. And they have to say to themselves, wearing the same stuff on their duty belt, no new gear, no updated training, no whatever. Oh, God, don't get me started on that. You know. Traditions. Yeah. And I'm like, how can you be a chief and be looking at your guys and say, this is fine. Yeah. This is okay. Like, it's it's not okay. Yeah. But it's that fear of change. And it's that fear of stepping outside the lines of what's been tradition. Yeah. You know, like we, where I worked, we wore these crazy hats, these like big Stetson hats, which are probably more common in Texas. You guys wear cowboy hats? Yeah. What? Yeah. In Jersey? I think we're the only department in Jersey that wore them. No shit. Yeah. Good for y'all. Yeah. And they were like, they look, made you look sharp, made you look squared away. Yeah. But they were not tactically sound. Yeah. Like at all. They were very, very non-tactically sound so we had a windy day or whatever that was bad yeah. but even like going up to a patrol car going up to cars on when you're on patrol on motor vehicle stops it was like weird in some cases it limited your view and then you know you're you're standing there the wind's blowing and you're talking to a suspect outside the car but at the same time you're worried your hat's gonna blow off so you're like oh crap so you know you gotta now worry about keeping your hat away and things like that it just was something that I looked at him like, how do we have a chief right now that wasn't out here experiencing the same thing that's saying, okay, effective immediately, no more hats. I mean, if you're going to a funeral detail or you have a special detail in town, fine. Yeah. But I don't know how someone can look at that and say, yeah, you keep wearing the hats on motor vehicle stops and you got to keep wearing your hats when you're outside the car. And it's like, that just doesn't make sense in the day and age that we're in, but once again, it's better to just say, oh, yeah, this is the rule. You got to keep the hats. That's the rule we've had for 40 years. how we've always years. done it. How we've always done it for 50 years. Yeah. So we're going to keep doing it. And people are like, man, what the hell's going on yeah. here? Like, how do I, like, how do I get past this? So if you can't get past a wearing a hat, like, are you going to get past, like, a full-blown, you know, um, let me say, revamp of what, Beards. Yeah. Beards, tattoos, you know, whatever it might be, you know. So I look at that and I'm like, man, like, you know, you don't want police departments to go completely like woke or crazy. You know, you you know, you want them to stay within a realm of reason. But at some point, the police agencies and it comes from the top leadership has to say, okay, we're making these changes and we're doing this for us and morale. And we're also doing it for the people, these communities. They're paying taxes. You know, and some people, when they, you know, I pulled them over and they said, you know, my taxes pay your salary. I would say, you're right. You're right. And you should be like very happy to pay those taxes to pay our salaries because we're the best. Yeah. And when, if you, maybe you're getting pulled over right now, but when it comes down to like an emergency at your home, you want the best showing up. You don't want like the worst showing up. You don't want some loser showing up that like, don't even know how to get out of their patrol car, apply a tourniquet or whatever. You know, you want good people showing up. 
you know, I had a life-saving badge, a medal. I got a life-saving medal on the job for saving God's life. And if you ask him or his wife right now, hey, would you mind cutting back on the police, defunding the police, and sending an officer that's a little bit less trained? Would you be okay with that? Based on their relationship with me and how much they pay in taxes, they would be like, are you crazy? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. If anyone, we want someone better. Yeah. If anything, we want someone better than that guy who saved my husband's life. We don't want something worse. Are you crazy? Yeah. You know, so... When you put it that way, I think people will change their tune a little bit. But that you know, that, all, that all happens at the top. And unless someone like you gets to the top, it's not going to happen. Where I was, yeah. someone got to the top that was a complete piece of shit. He was, like I said, you know, racist, you know, cheater, you know, loser. And he was only comp- concerned about one thing. And it... Uh, Getting guy, on top, staying on top? Staying on top. Yeah. You know, because that's all he had. You know, I felt bad. I feel bad for people like that. Mm -hmm. They are on these power trips and getting to the top. That's all they got. And, you know, they become complete derelicts when they leave the job because they're no longer in a position of power and they feel lost. They're no longer a cop, you know, and I feel, you know, bad, you know, not for this person in particular, but I feel bad for people who leave the job after 20, 25 years and they feel lost. They don't know where to go. Yeah. And it's because you didn't expand your mind past what you currently do. If you did that, well, one, maybe you would have been a better leader while on the job, two of your men, two, maybe you would have been a better leader to the community to make them less ignorant and more knowledgeable. So when interactions do happen, whether in our town or around the world, you have a deeper understanding for that. Um, And three, you want to always, like I learned, you want to leave a place better than you found it. Yeah. You want to you want to leave that agency. If you became chief at some point, you know that from the day you become chief to the day you retire as chief, you want to know that the day you retired, the department or the agency was at a better place than the day you stepped into that role. And it's not just well, I changed the decals on the patrol cars and I updated the you know, the the gun sign out in the, you know, in the prison. Like that's not what you want your legacy to be. You want your legacy to be, I created this program, this opportunity, this vetting process for, you know, new officers, or I created, I spearheaded this program for officers and their communication abilities with the, you know, uh, public. That is something of value, but most chiefs retire and they have nothing of value. And that's scary. Yeah. Because you have one of the most exper- allegedly one of the most experienced guys in the agency. And what did you what did they bring you? What did yeah. you just like were they just pushing papers around like the last guy? Yeah. Until he retired and like going to lunches and golf outings? You know, that's like that's not real. That's not right. Yeah. When yeah. you're making rules based off of subjectiveness versus logic, I have problems with that. Yeah. And that seems to be the cause of a lot of issues internally especially um like where i'm at beards tattoos it's a subjective thing mm-hmm. and it, you know in some cultures like you know polynesian cultures and stuff like tattoos are a part of life so if you're expanding in a way that is traditionally looked at you know frowned upon 
tattoos being a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, I like when a chief steps out of that comfort zone and is like, look, eh, it, it, my traditional sense of what's professional, that doesn't match that. But logically, I've got community support. I've got officers morale. Both of these things are in favor mm-hmm. because it humanizes the cop a little more. Yeah. Well, logically, bam. But no, because subjectively, I think it looks unprofessional. Boom. Mm-hmm. Now you've just, you, you've caused a rift. Yep. And if you're making decisions based off that, like the police uniform, there's a traditional police uniform. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say police appearance is huge. Yes. If you look sloppy, you're going to get treated sloppy. Mm-hmm. And that's how the job goes. It doesn't mean it has to be a polyester crisp uniform snug to your body, blah, 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 blah. It means it could be a nylon belt that fits you appropriately. Mm-hmm. That's lightweight. That has less upkeep than a leather belt. Yeah. There's one example. An outer vest carrier that distributes the load, creates a healthier officer because he's not putting all that weight on his hips. Logically, I, this is logic versus subjective. Yeah. So when I start weighing those things, if you start leaning towards subjectiveness over logic, I have a fucking problem. Yeah. I don't care who you are. And yeah, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter who, you, who are. you are. I have a problem. Yeah. So that is the battle. That's the battle I see. And, um, it, you know, it, me just admitting that that's my goals, I've shot myself in the foot. I know that for a lot of places. I'm okay with that. Like I said. I want the people that want me. Yeah. That's that, that's how I am. It's just my personality. I have no desire to go to a place that wants to fight against that. So. Yeah. You should be suspect of a place that wants to fight against that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's the, the concern. But I think that moving forward, you know, what we can do for, you know, yeah, you want to educate admin and you want to educate departments, but. I think we want to figure out the ways to better educate the public so yes. the public cannot get hoodwinked when, you know, things with the media come up and things like that and they have a better understanding of what 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 are their real expectations? You know, what are their, you know, what are the things that we can and how can we manage their expectations and make their expectations within the realm of reality? You know, no, the police are not going to come, you know, shovel your walkway and like go buy you milk and eggs and, you know. They might. Maybe. They maybe, might. But that's if the not mood strikes them yeah. and it just happens to be perfect timing. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. But, you know, but the, the reality. That's not their job. That's not their job. And yeah. here's what there is their job. So I think those things, those conversations are, you know, really important to have. And then I think we just need better in, in for the average officer who doesn't have the exposure to the world that maybe some other officers have, I think we got to do a better job of exposing them to different things and different cultures and teaching them how to navigate it, not just expose them to it, but then teach them how to navigate it on a daily basis on regular scenarios that they're going to run into. Yeah. Now you, um, you know, being a cop in New Jersey, um, what was your career like? Were you patrol the whole time? How did that work out for you? Um, I was patrolled. They were never going to promote me. I okay. apply. I took the sergeant's test multiple times, but they were never going to patrol. You know, you know, I was the only man of color in an all-white agency. So uh, me getting hired there was, you know, like a Jackie Robinson story alone. 
And it was a little bit more controversial me getting hired there than I knew when I found out more about it later. But so it wasn't the opposite. It wasn't the the way that a lot would think today. Like, oh, he's the one man of color we got, so he's going to get on the fast track. No, no, it didn't. It was not. the opposite. No, way. It was the opposite. Yeah. Okay, it was the opposite. I think that you know them hiring me was like, okay, let's just hire this guy. He did well on the test, and you know, he education wise, he has a couple of good things on him. But I think their goal from day one is let's just hire him, and then we'll find a way to fire him. Really? Yeah, that was it. That because I, I guess because I, you know, I did well enough on the test where they couldn't not hire me. Yeah. So I think it just became okay. Let's just figure out a way to fire them. Damn. Yeah. So your experience at your department, for the most part, sucked. I mean, work wise. Yeah, inter. I mean, I enjoyed the community. I enjoyed you know the interactions I had with everyone in the community. Some were positive, some were negative. I mean, I had it was an all white town. It was. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, in the middle of nowhere, but it wasn't like in some super heavily populated area. And, uh, but it was, you know, heavily Caucasian. There was, uh, an history in the town of the KKK, um, in Jersey, as, yeah, in Jersey, hundred percent. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to remember truth is true and facts are facts. And the KKK was made up of who? Democrats. Oh, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Truth is true. I was like, say, like, like Southern I, white boys. I don't know. Like I said, you know, I don't care. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying anything about anyone. Like you know, oh, you know, I, I'm not a political guy. Everyone knows that. But truth is true, and facts are facts. And yeah. the KKK was made up of the Democratic Party. Um, and uh, so yeah, that area, of Jersey, that town I was in had like the local chapter for the KKK. What was the rough population size, and how big was your department? Um, I think the town was like 25, roughly 25 square miles. I think population was just under like 30,000 and, uh, um, the department we were kind of always understaffed. So I think, I don't know, we had probably like around like, so traditional 80, yeah, like 80, 85 guys always around okay. there. Yeah. Yeah. So. And in being in a city environment, I fully understand. It's like, yes, you're a department of 80, 85 and 30,000 people, but you're right next to a city that's a hundred thousand. And that's next to like, you're surrounded yeah. typically in Jersey. So, yeah. So we were, you know, we were about, I don't know, maybe like an hour away from Newark. We were about an hour away from Camden, you know, so they were, you know, those are like, kind of like the more cities yeah, know, yeah. near us. But, you know, where we were there, we were, we were like the big town. Because it was the shore, and most of the Jersey Shore towns were only like a like a mile by a mile. Oh, so you were you were right on the fucking ocean. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Like, you know, just you know, a few minutes from the ocean. Did you ever run into anybody from the Jersey Shore? Yes, you did. Yeah, no absolutely. shit. Absolutely. One funny. of the guys um pulled over Snooky and Jay Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah, one of the guys. The two pulled. females. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um. I, I know all of them. Yeah, and uh, I liked Polly, the Jersey Shore. <laughs> I never met Polly. I, I through not through work, through someone else that was completely not related to police work. Um, I had dinner with uh, Mike. The situation. Oh, the situation. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was an interesting guy. He was a hard guy to like on that show. Yeah, but in real life, he was an easy guy to like. Oh, he's a nice dude. Yeah, he was okay. actually a pretty nice dude. Yeah. yeah. So I think maybe that was part of like a little bit for the show. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I know better than to trust what, you know. Yeah. Everything's like, I remember yeah. some, I, I was talking to someone uh, about a year ago and they're a big fan of Survivor. And I'm like, you know, Survivor has producers and there are certain storylines that are like kind of like put into the show. Yes. And they're like, what? blasphemy and i'm like <laughs> how dare you ruin I'm my like i'm like come on now there's a show called alone alone i've watched every season me too i me love too. it me too there's no narrative they no, are themselves themselves their yep. own camera selfie camera whatever yep. there's no producers out there yeah that is as real as it gets so yep. i remember telling people who like were yes. so infatuated with survivor yes i'm like do yourself a favor. Watch alone. Watch alone. Yes. And your eyes will be open to like how sh real shit gets. Yep. Like real, like what real starvation's like. Yes. What, what survival can be like if you just happen to cut your hand. Yes. You're fucked. Like I've never in my life and I didn't, I haven't watched survivor like all that much. I've seen a handful of episodes here and there, but I've never seen someone so emaciated. Like I've seen on alone. Right. You know, yeah. I, I've never seen like, there's a bear like 20 yards from me that can kill me. And there's nobody to help. And there's no one to help. You have like a radio with a red button on it. And you just hope that they like find you in time before you bleed out in the next few hours. Yeah. yeah. Like, and like the extreme, I mean, I, I mean, I've only ever, like I seen my, my, my knowledge of uh, survivors are limited, but I feel like they're always on like an island, desert yeah. island. Somewhere. I've watched a couple seasons of uh, Survivor. I've never watched a full season of Survivor yeah. in my life, yeah. but I kind of got the gist of it. But it's it's uh, it, oh, it appears that they're always on like some tropical island and yeah. it's, they're wearing half nothing and whatever. Alone, most of the time, they're somewhere where it's fucking cold. Yeah. And it is like like real cold, not like you know yep. like, like like Texas cold or like you know Jersey cold, like real cold. Yeah, and like lakes are freezing over, and like to me, like this is like the real thing. So yeah, anyone listening to this, if you ever watched the show Alone, I think it's History Channel, right? Yeah, it's yeah. on Netflix now. It's on Netflix. Yes, and it was a History Channel series. Yeah. Oh my God, oh. the show changed your life. I love it. Yeah, and I love that the most of the people that are on there now have learned from the old episodes yes and they're like oh i learned from this player and did this and you know you're just like it's fucking brilliant you know you gotta you gotta get a piece of big game yep if you're gonna survive and you're gonna win that show you yeah. need to land a piece of big game that's yeah. like the thing i think the last season that i watched um one guy right i don't i'm not gonna give anything away but one guy right away got a deer yes immediately he did. yes yeah, he, he did. got a deer in that that, that was huge. That was That's huge. huge. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yep. And, these, and these people eat every piece of that animal. Eyeballs down to the balls. Brain. Yep. Everything. <laughs> yep. Then, and so you look at that and then you watch Survivor. Yeah. And you're like, these people are playing games. Yes. Yeah. There's They're a game show and then there's actual survival. survival. Yeah. That, right. And I think they got that premise from Survivor Man versus... Um, what is his name? Bear Grylls, whatever yeah. show he did. Yeah. He was a fucking phony. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not that the information he was giving out was wrong. His survival tips and stuff were, were legit, but he wasn't out there surviving. No. He was staying at a hotel and filming accordingly to what he was trying to show. Yeah. That's fine. Survivor Man, he was different. He was out there just like on a Yes. And he was filming all his setting the camera up and trying to do all that 
while surviving on his own. He didn't have a support. Mm-hmm. And that that's the separation. See, that goes to show you that that's like the reality of our society versus what like the news shows you. Yes. Especially with like police work. They'll, yeah. sh- they, like, they'll show you like a, a what they, they're telling you is like policing and, you know, how law enforcement acts and how law enforcement works. But alone, man, let me tell you. Yeah. Like, yeah, like so if people knew what happens behind the closed doors of police departments as far as internal discipline and what certain officers get caught doing, like people would die. People would freaking lose their minds. Like at my agency alone, just one agency in the middle of the state, in the, you know, in the, in the whole grand scheme of things of the country, like we had officers doing horrible fucking shit, man, horrible shit. And they weren't getting in trouble for it. Really? And the public didn't have any idea. You had officers sleeping with chicks on duty on the fire trucks at the firehouse, sleeping with chicks in the first aid building officer. one guy who's been responsible for hiring me had sex with a girl on the front lawn of uh, headquarters. You had like crazy stuff going on. I remember it came in one night on the midnight shift and there was four guys with chicks down in the locker room, in the basement, in the showers. What the hell? Yeah. And did you, I'm just curious from my own personal were you were you a department that was highly supported by your citizens? Was it just kind of mediocre, or were you guys not supported? We were supported by our citizens. Our, our okay. we lived in a town that very much appreciated our police agency, and we you know allegedly had the best of the best, and you know they they were you know for the most part very good. You know, yeah, yeah. You had your old school people in the town. Like I had a motor vehicle stop one time where. I pulled the older couple over and, you know, it's, you know, simple motor vehicle stop. And before I left the stop, uh, the woman who was a pass in the passenger seat said, Oh, officer, are you new here? And this is when I was fairly new. And I said, Oh, yes, ma'am. Uh, I am. She said, Oh, Oh, very. And I was letting them go with a warning. You know, her husband, elderly man was driving and, uh, said, oh, very nice to meet you. We've lived in this town for, you know, 40 years or whatever they said. And I said, oh, great, great, yeah. And she said, officers, can I tell you something? I said, yeah, sure, head, yes, ma'am. She said, you're very well-spoken for a Negro. (laughs) Fuck. Oh, shit. And I was like. (laughs) What do you say, but thank you? I said, that's what I said. I said, well, thank you, ma'am. And I walked back to my patrol car. Oh, it was fuck. on video. It was on video. Yeah. And I was like, that old school video, VHS tape yeah, in the yeah, trunk. Yeah. And the dash cam. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. And I was like, <laughs> I sat back in my car. I'm like, where oh, the fuck am I working right now? Right. And this is like 2003, 2004. Yeah. Not 84 or 74. Yeah. You are well spoken <laughs> for a Negro. She what? said Negro. She didn't even like say, hey, for a black guy, you know, like right. that would have been like a little <laughs> bit more with the time. She's like, you're well spoken for a Negro. Oh, my God. I was like, wow, this is amazing right now. I, I don't bet. know where. I, was just saying, I know your personality. You probably had fun with that. I just was, I, you know, I played it off. Yeah. I was just like, whatever. And, you know, let the foundation of it was that she was trying to give me a compliment. Yes. So I always recognize that. She's trying to give me a compliment. Okay. But like, you got to see where that's coming from. Right. 
you know, so that was a town, but the town supported the police. But if the people in the town knew what was happening behind closed doors within the police department, they would lose their mind. Yeah. They would lose their mind because we were making over a hundred thousand dollars a year. There were some officers easily making almost one fifty a year. The chief was making like 200 a year. Yeah. And you have people from the bottom all the way up to the top doing things like having sex with people on duty, taking, you know, you know, drinking and driving fights, you know, all kinds of things. You're totally ruining something that I've kind of argued on here for a while is that if a department knows that they're supported by their citizens, they are going to hold each other a lot more accountable because they don't want an officer ruining a good thing for them. That was Negative. kind of the argument that I've always had. Negative. And but every department's different. And that's the example I've seen. Yeah. So I, I, and I'm, I'm only talking about the department that I work for. Like that's what yeah. I've seen. And that's what I've been most proud of working for where I work is I've seen when an officer slips up and does that shit that never makes the media, they're held accountable. They're fucking fired. No, never, never, never. Wall Township, New Jersey, when an officer fucked up, and it was an officer that was on the A squad and on like the A team and like, you know, on the rocket ride or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, for the most part, if they were just white, um, nothing happened to them. What nothing the happened. Listen, you can't have four guys having sex with girls in the locker room one night in the showers with them, all that stuff, and it not get back to the chief. Yeah. You, you know, in a getting, small department. In a yeah. small department, yeah. in a small town, it gets back to the chief. Yeah. 80 you, people, the chief knows everybody by name. You, everybody. Yeah. Everybody. He knows what kind of car you drive. He knows your wife's name, you know? So you know when stories like that happen, the chief knows. Yeah. And when nothing happens to those people, you're like, what the hell's going on here? Like, yeah. that's not okay, you know? My, you know, some people know my story or not, but I was called, called in and pulled on, you know, called to the carpet because I was not truthful about talking about an incident that happened off duty involving my sergeant didn't even involve me something my sergeant did with his mistress right and everyone knows there's a lot of infidelity in police work so um i was called out for something regarding his actions off duty and during an ia yet one of my sergeants called another officer nigger in a text message thread and dang that was with the hard r r not a not gga er hard r capital r on the end dang like it. straight up and of course they were white he was white and um he i'm very uncomfortable right now <laughs> straight up and he, like this was like not like a not like like a like a, a dude who like kind of like was with like the brothers no no he was a white dude and he used the word nigger and Damn. yeah, referencing another officer. I'm sweating right now. <laughs> right? Can't be sweating. He, he got caught and he got called in yeah. IA and he lied about it. And he, uh, from what I've learned uh, through some documents that I wasn't supposed to see, that he lied multiple times to IA about this incident. And with me, when they asked me something, and I didn't share the whole story about what my sergeant was doing off duty with his mistress. Just trying to stay uninvolved. Uh, yeah. They were like, oh, you were untruthful. 
you were untruthful. And because you were untruthful, my chief said, we can't have an officer that was un- that was untruthful working here at this department. So they're trying to get you through omission or something right, like that. Right, 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 yeah. right. So, um, so, and he said it. It's on record. He said, you know, we can't, an officer who is untruthful is useless to his police department. Well, this is, you know, this is the chief who's, you know, a racist himself openly. And, um, but with this guy, the white officer, he calls that officer that word, the N word, and then comes in and during the course of the IA lies two, three, four times. I don't even know. And he's still working there. To this day? To this day. Wall Township Police Department, Officer Dan Santoro. Oh, shit. Shots fired right there. Yeah. You calling him out. Yeah. Holy shit. There he is. And he's still working there, making a hundred something, probably making $130,000 a year right now. Dang. Yeah. So the people of the town don't know that. The people of Wall Township, New Jersey don't know that. They might now. Right. Yeah, I have a close, it's not closed, but there's a Facebook group that recently joined the Two Cops, One Donut mm-hmm. uh, membership. Um, that's a New Jersey group. They should share this. Yeah. Monmouth County, New yeah. Jersey, uh, Wall Town. Matter of fact, I think I could be wrong, but the remember the guy I told you that was from seventy five keto or keto seventy yeah, yeah, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's out of New Jersey. No kidding. Yeah, I believe so. And, and obviously not that city you're talking about, but yeah, um, yeah so. New Jersey yeah. don't hear about this. Yeah. So, you know, and listen, I'm just sharing facts, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and, uh, and it's beautiful because the position you're in, this is what I like about you is you, I can be fired even for this episode alone. Like I, I take a calculated risk. I try to make sure one, I don't associate my department and two, I don't say anything that is, you know, going to put my department in a bad light. Yeah. You know? Whatever yeah. you say, you say. That's, that's, and that's about my department. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's from where you're from. So, um, but that is the benefit of having somebody that did the job, is outside of it, and has an, an outside perspective that you can share now. Yeah. That you could never have said this shit while you were on the job. No, I couldn't have because for a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons. So, I have a book coming out. And what? In, the, in the book, I detail. My story, my life story growing up, you know, without yeah. a dad, you know, the medical school thing, ending up no military, ending up law enforcement. And then it goes into how I started 221B Tactical. And the premise of the book is not about my life story, but it's how the average everyday person has, we all every single day face adversity. And for most of us, the adversity starts with not hitting the stews button. Yeah. Right. That's like the first challenge that most people have is not hitting the snooze button. It's the most fundamental thing. Don't hit the snooze button. Yeah. Get out of bed, wake up early and, you know, make your bed and then start your day. You know? Yeah. Uh, I can't make my bed. My wife's still in it. Okay. So then you don't want to do that. <laughs> you might get in trouble, but yeah. like, you know, whatever I talk, I've talked about like, you know, doing the cold shower, doing a cold plunge first thing in the morning, start the day with something hard. Yeah. And the rest of the day is easy. Mm-hmm. You know, start the day lounging and schlepping off. And then, you know, then your day is just yep. set for failure. That's why I love Rogan, man. That dude's always preaching. Do something hard every day. Every day. Yeah. Every or, day. Or David Goggins. Yeah, David Goggins. Fuck. You know, I you know, I've never read David Goggins' book and I've seen a couple of his videos on social media. I've read his book and I watch his shit religiously. And I heard it's I heard it's Dude. pretty motivating. Dude. Um Goggins is the man. But I th- and he's done some hard stuff. Yeah. And the reality is we are so much more capable 
than we feel. And the only reason why we feel we're not capable, because we're believing the story that we were told as children. And as we, you know, when you're, when you're a child, you can do anything and you know, you, you know, like, oh, I'm going to put on this cape and be Superman and jump off the roof and be flying and whatever. Right. And then at some point we're told you, you can't do that. That's just not, no, that's not real. You know, that's not reality. I've never fallen for that. Right. Right. So, so you're alive. You have your, your legs are attached to your body, Mm -hmm. you know? So the, the course that most humans take is they go from, sure, you want to be an astronaut or you want to be, you know, whatever. And then it goes to, you can't do that. Don't do that. Stop that. Don't do, you know, and as children, that's what happens to us. Right. And then we, then we are automatically taught limitations. Yeah. Right. And then we grow up and it's like, Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. It's terrible. But the one thing we don't know is that our bodies are capable of doing way more than we ever think we can. And David Goggins thinks about, talks about this when we, tell ourselves I can't go anymore. We actually have about 40% left in the tank or we've only used 40%. Imagine that. Right. So great thing. I talked to, when I talked to police officers, listen, if you're ever shot and you ever say to yourself, I'm dying, you're actually not. You're actually probably in your mind. You should tell yourself I'm an hour from dying and you only need to make it about three more minutes in this gunfight. You know, so don't have that mentality. We all have that mentality. Why? We've been trained in the movies. You get shot and you're dead. Yeah. So that's what we just believe. We get shot. I'm dying. Yep. And as you know, when I study based on my side, which is crazy, but in studying physiology, there are very few gunshots that you can sustain that will absolutely like kill you within like a minute or within less than a minute. Right. Yeah. That's why I've talked to so many doctors in the ER. They've come in, they've seen people come in with like 19 gunshots. Right. And 50 cent, 50 cent was shot. Well, well like 30, seven or nine times, 13 like times. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I don't know what it was. Right. Yeah. So, but cops, you see cops are like, like shot once. They're like, ah, I'm dying. No, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. If you're, if your artery didn't get hit, you got time. You got time. Yeah. You got time. Stay in the fight. You got yep. that golden window that you want to get yep. to that hospital within and just stay in the your fight. Your aorta is protected. That's the quickest one. Yo, as long yeah, as your you aorta get, doesn't get hit. Yeah. You get a descending aorta, you know, you get, you know, an artery. It, it, that's a problem. You're going to yeah. bleed out. Or, or if, of course, you know, a cranial shot is tough. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, although, yeah. although there have been officers who've been shot in the head that yeah. survived, you know. Yep. So. Um, but looking at the stories we tell ourselves, you know, and why we believe the stories we believe, it's all because of like what we're taught along the way as we grow up from child to adult, but going back to, you know, from a police standpoint, you look at some of the things that we're told to believe about police officers and it's not all agencies, but some agencies people know. Like not everything's on the up and up. Yeah. And you look at the agency I worked at from the outside looking in, it looked like bright and shiny and pearly and beautiful. We had the big crispy white cowboy hats and you know, the, the pretty brand new cars every year. And we had, we had it all Hummer, uh, Humvees and you know, uh, Camaro and freaking Corvette traffic enforcement cars and holy oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, you name it. You name it for a small town. That's amazing. That, that was a big deal, you know, yeah. and we had all the toys and all that stuff. We had it all, you know, but on the inside, 
mm. on the inside. Moral and ethical issues. Issues. So the book details, I tell in the book, I give lessons about how you endure and make it through the things in your life that you think are hard. Yeah. That you present in your mind as difficult. But the reality is they're, they're not. And I give you the stories of the things of adversity that I dealt with and, and how I had to figure out as a young man who was by himself how to figure out how to get through those. So getting through those times of pain, suffering, adversity, people against me growing up in an all-white town, not being the only kid in the school, not getting the cupcake in class, being the only kid not getting invited to the, you know, the uh, to the birthday party on the weekend, being the only kid that, you know, some girl asked him to homecoming and then finds out that her parents like grounded her so she couldn't go to homecoming because they found out she asked me to go with her. You know, like these are all the things that I dealt with. And I how did I overcome that and make it from the single mom who came from another country without speaking the language, black kid to CEO of a multi-million dollar company that is now, you know, operating around the world, like, and you know, start having the perseverance to start in my garage. And now my whole life being told that I wasn't going to, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't going to, I wasn't even good enough in second grade or third grade to get a cupcake. Yeah. How would I now say I'm good enough to be a CEO of a multi-million dollar global company? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So how did I do that? So I outline in the book the steps of how I got through each of these phases of my life, even the phase of my life where I was a police officer and I was staying on the street and narrow. I wasn't playing softball on Tuesdays. I wasn't like going out drinking every night. I wasn't doing all that stupid shit. And yet I was seeing other hey, officers. Hey, 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 hey. I play softball on Sundays. <clears throat> I'm not judging. I'm just saying <laughs> I didn't do it. Cause I, and I wasn't part of the, the team for that. Yeah, yeah. But, and then when the hammer came down on me, you know, it's hard when the hammer comes down on you for doing something what you view as trivial, but other people are doing yeah. egregious stuff and no hammer comes down, like zero hammer comes down on them. How do you get through that? And you're not even, we're not even talking about legality. It's what they're doing isn't against the law. What they're doing is unethical and immoral. Yes. Well, I guess department-wise, like ha having sex on duty is that's a, po it's a, a policy. policy issue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There weren't. There wasn't. I mean, yet yeah, drunk driving is against the law, and yes. drunk driving was like very much an issue mm -hmm. with certain officers. That's I a mean, huge thing in policing, anyway. In general. In general. But yeah, like you know, I talk about in the book. There was uh, a female that got hired um, at our department who was a very uh, big drunk driving uh, DWI person. Against drunk driving. Against drunk driving. Yeah, yeah. And I was, every day I had to walk in and you had to walk down this hallway and there were two plaques on the wall of her getting the top number of DWI arrests in the county. You know, I, it was one year and then the next year. I don't know if it was consecutive years. And she was the biggest drunk in the department. What? She was the biggest fucking drunk driving violator in the department, almost that I've ever seen. And everyone knew it. And everyone knew it. So that was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. So here's what the public's going to want to know. You were an officer. Why didn't you stop it? 
So one, I never was someone who went out drinking with her. I never went out drinking with her. It was all coming to me secondhand okay. by, by people who were out with her that were telling me the stories about her that were there. They were yeah. present for it. And it so it kind of just became common knowledge. Okay. She's a sergeant. She got promoted to ultimately became got promoted to sergeant and she's a female. So she might be captain by now. I don't know. I have no idea. She'll probably end up being chief. But um, <laughs> am I lying? Nope. Am I lying? Okay. Nope. So um, so she was a drunk, and she violated, like, DWI guidelines all the time. She was here getting the chicken dinner from the county, from the, you know, from the, like the, the local politician. Hypocritical policing. How about that? Yeah. And that's something the public would never fucking know. Yeah. Never know. Here she is getting all the accolades for locking up the most drunk drivers, and she is the biggest offender of drunk driving. So that burned me and a lot of other people in the department. And I know that if that were me being the black guy there, they would have fired me. They were hundred percent gone. Yeah. Gone. It wouldn't have gone over well, but as you know, in certain departments, certain guys can get away with it and certain girls can definitely get away with it. And then certain guys and certain girls can't, Yeah, they just can't, they couldn't get away with that. They couldn't live that life and be, you know, they'd be, they'd get called out, you know, so that is what the public didn't know. And that's yeah. like the veil that I would want. the, And that's what needs to be exposed when it comes to police work. And yeah. if it is more exposed, it keeps people more honest. Like when body cameras were coming out, I was working during that time yes. when body cameras were coming out. And I was one of the people during that time that like, you know, oh, do you want to wear a body camera? I was like, hell yeah. Sign hell me yeah. Up. Sign was, me up. I bought my own. Did you? Yeah. Before no, they were okay. ever a thing. Before before um, Michael Brown, I think that was the one that kicked it off. Yeah. Before Michael Brown, um, I just happened to be, Amazon was like kind of controversial at the time. Not a lot of people were using it. Like, it was always that same old adage, you know, like, uh, I'm not buying something on the internet. Yeah. Like, that's when I bought one. No. I bought it. It was made in China. And um, they still are. It, it, yes. <laughs> and it, it, it was poor quality. But the sound was fine, and um, nobody nobody was wearing them. And I was just like, I'm just going to buy one and have it on me. I had a little 32-gig um, SD drive yeah, or yeah, a micro yeah. SD drive in there, um, which was fairly expensive at the time. Mm -hmm. Like, that was actually one of the bigger ones. I remember that. I just didn't want to deal with having to download, not download, but keep deleting things. Yeah. I was like, I'll just keep it on. You know, like, I just have it. And there was no guidelines, no nothing like that. But I had bought my own because I was like, I'll be damned if I'm going to get hemmed up on something I didn't do. Exactly. And I know I'm out there killing the game. Like, yeah. I love, I, I'll, I'm a damn good cop. I'll brag about it. I don't give a shit. I love what I do. I have fun. I, I would love to be the example. Mm -hmm. I love to be the example. I want people to watch my body cam videos. Mm -hmm. I would... Offer anybody to audit my videos now. 100%. Audit my videos now. Me too. Go audio. Go audit them. And you will get a good laugh. You will have fun. It's going to be good. And you're like, this But it will probably also be a little bit of a master class on how you talk to people and how you how you conduct yourself. Yeah. Because it's the, to me, I always did it. And I always did my motor vehicle stops and I talked to people with the knowledge of how am I going to feel with the judge and my mom in a courtroom watching this video? Yeah. The judge and my mom. Yeah. It was 
the worst judge in the world. Like when, you know, not, not worst judge, but like the most scariest judge yeah, in the yeah. world. Like, you know, I want a judge to be able to watch this and I want my mom yeah. to be able to watch this and say, okay, yeah, he did good. He wasn't disrespectful. He was doing his job, blah, blah, yep. blah, 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 you know, whatever. And that's how I viewed it. So I was like, yeah, man, I was like, sign me up. And they were like, oh, who wants to volunteer? I was like, boom, me. You know why? I got nothing to hide. Yeah. I got nothing to hide. I knew I was doing my job. I talked to people respectfully. I didn't do anything. The only thing that I did do, then I'll admit, and I'm not the only cop on the planet to admit this, but there were times where you pull over a police officer or the wife of a police officer for a, a traffic violation they were, you know, stop sign or speeding yeah. or red light, and they show their ID, like, "Hey, there, I am a cop," or it's like, "Hey, my husband's a police officer," and I would just say, "Okay, have a good day." Yeah, you know, that's professional courtesy, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that is in many different professions. There's professional courtesy, yeah. but it's no different than the subway guy. Guy works at the subways restaurant. Yeah, his buddy that he's a coworker with comes in. And with his girlfriend, he'd be like, hey, what do you guys need? Oh, I want a six liter this. I need a six liter that. All right, cool, man. I got you, bro. Like, right. And I worked at Subway. So that's the example I'm giving. I fully admit. I worked at the movie theater. See? And there was kids that worked at the movie theater that was kind of owned by the same conglomerate, uh, AMC or whatever it was, or mm-hmm. whatever it was before AMC. And if people from there came over and they came with a bunch of their friends, high school, whatever, yeah, come on in, it was like, come on in guys. Yeah. You work over yeah. at that one. Every job has that. Every shit. job Every has job. it. So yes. I just was, you know, if it was a cop's wife or a cop and it was not something egregious, you know, yeah. but like, you know, you don't let them get away with murder, but it was like, yeah. Hey, you know, so that's what you might catch me on audio. Yeah. Now I am very much anti, I don't want to say anti ticket, but it takes, if I have discretion, I'm going to use it to its fullest if I have discretion. So if I pull you over for speeding and you're Joe Blow citizen, mm-hmm. and I pull you over and you got insurance, I don't see a huge history, mm-hmm. you're probably getting off. If you got a CCW or a CHL, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, if you're military, if you're an ambulance person, if you're a nurse, if you're all of these factors. Me too. I'm probably going to let you too. off. The only time you really ever get a ticket is if you don't have a license, insurance, you're got a huge history. Yeah. That's about the only time. Or you're an asshole. Yes. That's it. Yep. That's that was the, it. That's about the only time I'm giving you a ticket. Other than that, I just want to consider it a teaching moment. The experience of getting pulled over alone yes. is the, I think, so the purpose of the motor vehicle stop is to correct the behavior. Yes. And if the stop alone corrects the behavior, then the ticket's not warranted. Yeah. Right? Now, when you see someone who's been stopped multiple times. In a short span of time. And they still are conducting the behavior and they haven't been issued a summons. Well, then I would write the ticket because the behavior is not being corrected by getting pulled over. Correct. Most people, they get pulled over. They get scared. Like, holy shit. I never want to get pulled over again. The op, cop left me off with a warning. Mm-hmm. So I'm never going to speed again. I'm, I'm like, now they're on the straight and narrow and they're like, Ooh, I'm scared. And that's what you want. That's for the most part, what you are looking for. But 
when you have someone doing it over and over again and you're like, it's not working, they need the ticket. Yes. They need the ticket to snap them out of it and say, okay, you know, and you hope that's what's going to lead to. And of course there's levels to that. Sometimes the ticket doesn't do it. And then next thing you know, you are locking them up for a warrant for that ticket. Yes. You know, cause, and you stop them for a motor vehicle. How many yeah. warrant arrests did you get off of motor vehicle stops? So, and what was the warrant for some motor vehicle violation? They didn't pay the ticket. So, there's levels to it. But when you going back to when you look at what was happening within your own department and violations that your own officers were being, you know, taking part in, it was hard. Now, something that you said, like, why didn't you, you know, what did you, you know, what you do about it? Like, well, well, I wasn't present for it. So like, what can I do yeah. now with this, this female officer, uh, uh, Amy, oh, did I say that out loud? Um, <laughs> you know, there was an incident where she got pulled over by the state police, apparently intoxicated. There was an altercation with the state police, and um, uh, they uh, apparently drove her. The, this is the story I'm getting. They drove her back to our police headquarters um, and had to call her parents. Now, this all was known by everyone in the police department. Everyone knew it, and it was like, oh, my God. She had a run-in with the state police. She didn't get locked up. That trooper let her go and dropped her off at our police department. Which is discretion. Which is discretion. Yep. You know? I want the public to understand this right away. Driving while impaired is not an automatic arrest. Right. It It is a discretionary thing. Some of the factors that they look for is, is there any damage to the car? Is there blood? Is there, you know, Personal injury, yeah. Anything like that on the vehicle. When before they, you know, because that means you probably hit somebody before they got to the cops. So these are all factors, but it's not a felony. So they no. don't have to arrest you. You don't. You so. don't. So this state trooper chose not to arrest her and then drop her off at our headquarters and call mom and dad to pick her up. Okay, fine. Fine. He made that decision. And most likely he made that decision because she was an officer yeah. off duty. Fine. Okay. I don't know the details of exactly what went down. Funny thing is... My attorney tried to get the the records of that motor vehicle stopped by the state police. And the New Jersey State Police came back and said there was no record of that stop. Ooh. Now, that's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. Now, nothing was done about this female and this incident until my attorney, during my lawsuit, questioned my department about Oh, you what, had to sue your, law, your department? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he said, hey... You know, you came after my guy for this. This girl, there was this incident that happened, and she was not punished at all. So what happened here? And they denied it ever happened until my attorney came and was asking for discovery. <clears throat> now, this is probably about two years after the fact, after the incident happened with her. Yeah. So two years after the fact, they called her in and disciplined her because they had to. Now that it was open, yeah, they tried to sweep it under the rug. Holy shit, they disciplined, But the discipline was a slap on the wrist, apparently, and it was no big deal. But once again, the people of Wall Township, New Jersey, would probably want to know that they're paying the salary to the tune of six figures of an officer who is getting awards for drunk, locking up the most drunk driving, yet is driving around their town drunk. Yeah. To the point at which she's getting dropped off at yeah. headquarters and getting picked up by her parents, by the state police. You know, so people would want to know that. Yeah. You know, or something along those lines, right? You know, my my limited 
a access to the reports, you know, that's but. one of the things I preach in the, when I was an academic instructor, that's when you and I met. Yeah. Um, one of the big things I would tell these recruits, I'm like, do not go out there and be a hypocritical cop. Mm-hmm. If, mm. if you go out Amen. and you speed, that's great. I, you're living a risk. I, I speed. I know I speed. And, but I fully accept the consequences. Yeah. If an officer is going to give me a ticket, he's going to give me a ticket. Yep. And I'm not going to pull the badge card. I'm not going to do any of that shit. But if I happen to get a ticket, I get a ticket. That's, that's what I live by. But I sure as hell am not going to go out and write a ticket for you doing the same things that I do. Amen. But if you go through speeding through a school zone during school time, I'm going to hammer you down. And pass a school bus. Yeah. That's the shit I never would do. Yeah. Right. I would never do that. Right. So I'm not going to live hypocritical. And that is a good way to start your police career. Like yeah. just for, if you're going to enforce rules that aren't mandatory, don't be hypocritical. Imagine coming to work, not hungover, but drunk, and then going out. Because you know there's, yeah. there's a, there's a I line mean, where- it would be super fun. Coming to work drunk, right? Right. <laughs> I'm just and saying. Going out. Yeah. Listen, we're joking. Yeah, we're, we're, joking. joking. <laughs> we're joking. If you guys are listening on the, on the audio, we're joking. Yeah, you know. um, but imagine coming to work drunk, not hungover, drunk. Yeah. And then going out and locking someone up for DWI. Oh, my God. There's no fucking way, dude. Can you imagine no that? No. And that was happening. That was happening. Damn. And that and, was proven. And the people of Wall Township, New Jersey, had no fucking clue. Jesus. We had a supervisor come into work. He was another big DWI drug guy. He came into work drunk and he was sent home. He was sent home and there was no, nothing done yeah. about it. There was no record of it, no reprimand, no nothing, you know? I'm not, okay, I see two sides of that. And that story's in the book too because I got the yeah. report on that. I see two sides of that. If I catch the issue before it's a problem and there, there has to be follow through. It can't just be like, dude, you're dumb, go home. It can't be that. No. It can't be that. No. It has to be, hey, there's an issue here, you know, and he was a sergeant. Substance abuse, whatever it yeah. is, we need to get you help. Yeah. Let me get you on a program. Let me do this. Let me do that. Let me do this. I'm okay with that. But there can't be a just, hey, dude, you dumbass. Like, get the fuck home. You're drunk. Like, you got, it, can't be, yeah. it cannot be a good old boy style. And that's the problem. That's a problem. And, you know, it wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, the Wall Township Police Department in New Jersey, but it goes way beyond that. You know that happens in departments across the country. Yeah, if it's happening at one, it's got to be happening it's at others. It's happening at others. It can't just know? be an isolated incident. You know, in my book, I outline and put the names and the, you know, fortunately, I've been able to get videotape and, you know, different yeah. things. You have substantiating evidence. I have evidence because yeah. I can't sit here and say these things. You can't sit there and say, make these claims when yeah. they, and they have no proof. Yeah. So most of the people know that I have the proof and that's... In the book I'm writing, because of the nature of the book, I have QR codes in the book that you scan with your phone, oh, and it'll take you to the video. That's awesome. Why? Yeah, like so. When I tell the story about the officer that beat that's up, different beat up a guy yeah. in a bar, you know, you know, beat up a guy in a restaurant, and it's on video. I, I got the surveillance tape. Yeah, and he was one of our detectives. His name was Mike Stites, and he beat up a guy in a restaurant. And I got the videotape, and he had no. There was no repercussion for it. He just beat up a guy who said something to his son, which is I understand that you know you know you don't you you know, but it's not like he like 
touched his son inappropriately. He like yeah. I guess said something. He uses his words. He uses words. Yeah. Whatever. Use your words and, back. That's about all you get. Right. Right. You don't I go, understand wanting to hit somebody for talking shit about your kid. Right. But you don't. But you don't. And yes. when, especially when you're a police officer, yes. you don't. You're right? held to a higher standard. You're held to a higher standard. Well, I have the video. So when you're reading that chapter and you're talking, and I'm talking about the lesson to be learned from this, you can scan the QR code and watch the video of him beating the shit out of this guy in the restaurant. It's very, it's a very unique user experience. So uh, the guys who were like cheating on their wives on duty, I have the video of them going into the hotel, Ooh. cheating on their wives, you know? So I have that. It's a very different user experience. So as you read yeah. the chapter, and now I put that in there because these are the same guys that were now reprimanding me about how I was acting on duty by not ratting out my sergeant who was cheating on his wife. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, now you're the same guy who is cheating on your wife. And I was just the one who, like, kind of, like, was omission Just stay, stay staying out of, out of you. Right, yeah. right, right, right. So let, let's talk about that. Let's yeah. talk you about You open the door. You open I'm the gonna door. I'm going to shut it. That, yeah. amen. Yeah. So here's a QR code. You can watch the video. Okay. Here you go. So it's a very different experience. And is I, your book done yet? It is... Almost done. Okay. You let me know because I'm an audible guy. Oh, you are? Yeah, we're gonna, it's going to be on audible. I was going to say, if, yeah. you, if you don't have an audible version set up, I'll read for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll read it. Yeah. Oh, really? I'll read oh, it. Oh, no kidding. I'll be your man. All right. All I right. Got, I got that voice. You do got a good voice. I got that voice. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone's been saying, is it going to be on audible? Is it going to be on audible? Yeah. But cops don't read. We're dumb. On, <laughs> and then you listen while you're working. But on yeah. audible, you got to be able to, the problem is you got to scan the QR code. Yeah. Because there's something. You know, let me say, um, I don't know what the word is, but like when you hear a story and then you can now watch a video yeah. that confirms the you story. You become emotionally invested. Yes. Yes. And it's a different experience yes. when you say, okay, this guy isn't just telling this story. He's actually backing it up yeah. by saying, he's not saying, you know, his chief did this, this, this to him, yet his chief was sleeping with someone Mm -hmm. You know, and cheating on his wife, whatever. And here's the video of it. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Wow. It makes it more, it's more visceral, yeah. you know? That's why I do video for the pod. I'm like, I'll be damned if I'm just going to us talk back and forth and send out an audio. Even though audio is the primary source. Yes. Everybody listens to this. Hardly anybody watches. But if I offer both, it, do, it doesn't matter. If there's some yeah. sort of enticing part of the story and you're like, need to see those two talking yeah like it just adds something to it yes exactly and that's kind of if you're doing that with your book that's different yeah and so what i'm also doing at the book is at the end of every chapter there's a back and forth there's a back and forth discussion about that previous chapter and i i got that from a book by jim quick it was called limitless and he's like a brain coach it's a, a book sounds familiar i highly recommend that and he he, at the end of every chapter, one of his employees of the company um, with the, the brain coaching, they review what they just talked about in the chapter. Like this, almost like podcast version. Yeah. So it's like, you know, get to the end of the chapter, and it's like, Eric's now saying, so Suresh, okay, so wow, holy crap, that chapter you like we talked about this incident in your childhood oh. or whatever. So it's like a breakdown of that. Yes. Okay. And then it's like a little bit deeper dive into the story and the lesson for each chapter has a lesson. So a lot of people who I've talked to are like, 
is this just like your life story? No, it's about the lessons that I'm teaching you of how to get through some of the adversity. Oh, is this just a, like a, a book to like out your coworkers who did bad things and, you know, and they didn't get in trouble, but you did? No, this is about how when you are dealing with a situation where you feel like you're being treated unfairly and you have proof that other people are doing the same or worse and are being treated differently, mm -hmm. how you can take that emotion and get through it. How do you make it through those times? But the problem is I can't tell that story powerfully enough unless you actually know what happened. Yeah. Like what other, what did the other people do? You can't sit here and say, I got in trouble for not sweeping the floors and my coworkers, they would, not sweep the floors and nothing happened to them. So anyway, moving on, I have to say, I have to be better. I have to be stronger, whatever. It hits home better when you say, I got in trouble for not sweeping the floors. I have over a dozen coworkers that over a 12 year, 13 year career, I saw that not only did not sweep the floors, but they actually like shit on the floors. They shit in the urinal, which is a true story. They, pissed on the walls they did all these other things and what? not and and, <laughs> you and just threw and, me off and i'm just using a, an example they did all these hor more horrific things than just not sweeping the floors and they didn't get in trouble hold on you said it's a true story somebody shit in the urinal someone shit in the urinal at the police department at the police department what in the fuck like as a prank just because they just felt like doing it. <laughs> okay that's kind of funny yeah it's yeah. Kind of funny. Yeah. And there's an interesting story about that guy. <laughs> very good. interesting story Not about that guy I'd involving lie. some of the other shit I've been talking about. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Shit in the urinal. Okay. So I'm trying to You're trying to think how one shits in a urinal? No, 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 no. Okay. I can I could picture that. I've actually joked about that before in my lifetime. Okay. Um I haven't done it, but I've always you visualize. I visualize yeah. that. I'm like, yeah. you know, what if I had to go really bad and the toilet's taken up and the urinal's right here? Could I do it? I might be able to do it. I think I could pull it off. The low one. The low one. The high the, one's the, tough. Yeah, the high one would be tough. Yeah. 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 High one's tough. But, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, from a citizen's perspective, fucking awesome. I would love to see this. I would love to see um, police holding police accountable. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it. Um, from a police perspective... I see it two ways, and this is just me being honest. Mm -hmm. One would be um, this guy had a raw deal, or he, he's he got some beef against his department, and now he's acting out in a way to make money. Mm -hmm. That's one way to look at it. The way I see it personally is here I am holding police accountable, mm -hmm. and if you're a cop that has a problem with that, you're part of the problem. Hundred percent. That's how I see it. Hundred percent. The people I work with personally despise the stuff you're talking about. I cannot explain. And I I hope I come across genuine. I'm not trying to fake or do anything. Like if I had a problem with my department, I would voice it. I wouldn't work there. I left one department because mm -hmm. it wasn't the department itself. It was the area. It was becoming toxic. And mm -hmm. I saw the writing on the wall, so I got out of there. Mm -hmm. um, 
And now that I'm gone, I'm like, holy shit, they have it really bad now. So I, I, I read the, I read the tea leaves correctly where I'm at now. If they heard the stuff you're talking about, I don't know anybody that would put up with the shit that, that you've said. I don't. And I'm very proud of where I come from because I know that. Um, and it's hard for me to even have the perspective that you have, but I know there's departments that have gone through 10 times worse. New Orleans, historically, mm. New Orleans police department, they had cops working with drug deal. I mean, this is all proven stuff. I'm not saying something that is, you know, conjecture. This is proven stuff. Can I stop? Can I stop you yeah, there? I ahead. want, I want, I don't want you to lose your thought. And yes, New Orleans, that was proven. So when I hired, when I got my first attorney for my departmental hearing, for my charge in my departmental hearing was untruthfulness. And it was around the fact that my sergeant brought his mistress to my house without my knowledge. And I was untruthful when they called me in to ask about that incident. They were asking me details about that incident. And, of course, I didn't want anything to do with that incident. Right. So, Especially when we're not talking about a law. And it wasn't breaking the law. Yeah. It was off duty. And, and, and the whole thing is spilled out in the book. Um, I've talked about it openly on other podcasts before, but it, it'll take too long to go into it. But long story short of it is he brought his mistress to my home without my consent. I had no knowledge of it. And he uh, was there and I confronted him. And there was an incident there. When I confronted him, they called me in months later to ask me about that. And I omitted something that happened during that incident that really would have made him look bad. Okay. Okay. And I knew he was in enough trouble and he was most likely getting terminated anyway. He did not get terminated despite a slew of departmental and what I'm told criminal charges. He was allowed to resign something else that the public should know. And that's all detailed in the book. But um, you have a situation now where they came after me for that omission. Okay. So I had to get an attorney cause I had a now a departmental hearing cause they wanted to give me six months off and I was like blown away. It wasn't away. even trying to fire you just six months off, six months off. And which is huge, Fuck. which is huge when yeah. you know, guys who have, put people in the hospital for second degree aggravated assault and they got two days off actually two days of comp time removed from their bank. So ag assault felony, two days comp me omitting something about my sergeant did in my house off duty. Six, six months. months. Holy fuck. People fucking on duty in the locker room at no time off. People driving drunk, crashing cars, no time off. Damn. Omitting something that happened while your sergeant was in your home off duty with his mistress, an omission. Yeah, because there's still some shred of decency in you that's not trying to just hang out everybody to drive yes. for something that you know is not against the law. Yes. And yeah. I get that. As not a human being, I get that. Now, now let me tell you. Now, if they said, hey, listen, we want to ask you about your sergeant. We know it was off duty and this incident happened in your house, but we heard it involved this criminal activity. 
and drugs or some weapons, I don't know, something crazy, yeah. then I would say 100%. If I omitted something and it involved a criminal activity, yeah, I'll be the first one to say, hey, man, I screwed up. Yeah. But the reality is I'm the kind of guy that if that was a criminal act that was being discussed or I om- I wouldn't omit it. Right. I'd be like, fuck, I'm not going down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I came home and my sergeant was there and they they had like cocaine on the you know on the you know on the mirror. I don't know. I don't, I've never done cocaine. I don't know what I, is yeah. that the movies you put it on a mirror. I don't know. But like you know, so like <laughs> yeah. you know whatever. I would I would have told him. Yeah. But this didn't involve that. It was just. And we're talking from a perspective of a guy that you don't have any loyalty to police work anymore. Yeah. You don't. No, I, I don't. I mean, uh, you have a little bit. You're a company, but at the same time, like. You, you, you don't, you didn't have to tell this stuff. No, I did not at all. I didn't. And my loyalty is to good cops that I would say, I don't know. I don't know what the number is, but I don't know. 95 plus percent of cops are good cops that don't do this shit. Yeah. We're talking 4 million calls, 4 billion calls, How Four is it? 400 million calls, something like that. 10 million arrests yeah, a year, a year, 10 million arrests a year with nothing. No nothing use happens. of force. Nothing happens. Nothing it's happens. It's just day-to-day shit. 10 million arrests a year, no use yeah. of force. So, you know, so I went through this and I realized, like, what was happening. And so this isn't about, like, the calling out. Like, I'm the, everyone knows, I'm the biggest supporter of law enforcement. Yeah. I am, I've witnessed it. Yeah. I am. You've seen me go to departments and just yeah. drop off thousands of dollars in gear, surprising Free gear, them. just giving them stuff. Giving them. Yeah. I am the biggest supporter of law enforcement yeah. ever. What I'm not a supporter of is hypocrisy and disparate treatment. So anyway, yeah. going back to the story, so I contact the attorney. Because I know what the argument's going to be. Well, that's a big tax write-up for businesses. Fuck you. He shows up in person and does it. In person. He doesn't have to do that. Yes. So In person. If, if that's going to be your argument, like I get the cynicism of cops, we do that. That's just part of our culture. Sure. But this dude showed up in person. He didn't have to. He took Ubers from here to there, carrying a bunch of stuff, and he gave that shit out. That's why I have him on here. That's why I support him. That's why I know he's a good guy. I know his heart. So Literally. And continue. Writing checks when an officer yes. gets killed, writing checks to their families. Yes. When an officer loses their canine, reaching out saying, Hey, I'm gonna send you this, this, and this for your next dog. Yeah. I want them to be safe. I want you know, whatever. Are uh, you familiar with the Brotherhood for the Fallen? Yeah, of course. You are? Yeah. Okay. Of course, so yeah. I'm I'm a new member. Like I'm, Oh, you are. Um yeah. Okay. Um we have a chapter out of the city I'm in. Um and uh I am like I'm all in. I'm all in. It's because, incredible. Because 100% of the money goes 100% of the cause. I actually yeah. added them just recently to my Facebook page and my my personal uh, Two Cops, One Donut page. Um, I have them on there. And the whole premise is they send two officers out to any family member where an officer goes down um, in the line of duty. And they present a check to the family that goes to whatever they want it to mm-hmm. go to. Um, and it's generally, I think it's about two grand. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, life-changing money. But the point is... Officers get that money drawn from their paychecks and it's given to this organization. It's a great cause. Yeah. So um, I, I didn't know if you're familiar with that. If you're not, I know the right people to get you hooked up with and you can be a part of that. So. Yeah, no, I know about it. I would like, I'd like to get more involved with them, but I, I've heard about them already. Okay. And there's a couple of other ones. There's like, chapters throughout. Yeah. There's one like Survivors of the Shield or something like that that yeah. like I was that we, we gave money to. 
So, um, so when I got this attorney and he told me, he's like, so what, what happened? What's like, what's your charge? And I said, uh, it's not criminal. It's, um, it's, um, uh, departmental. He's like, what is it? He said, untruthfulness. And he told him what it was for. And he was like, oh, uh, got it. Untruthfulness. And he said, um, is there anything else? I said, no. He's like, is there something you're not telling me? I said, no. He's like, so they, he's like, let me get this straight. Your sergeant came to your home with his mistress without your consent. And there was, a, in, you know, a verbal exchange between you guys. And when, and there was an incident that happened in your home, it was off duty, whatever. And when you got called in a couple months later and asked about some of the details of that, you omitted to tell them a detail about that event. And I said, yes. He's like, and they want to give you six months off. I said, yes. He's like, okay, you know, they want to fire you, right? <laughs> I said, <laughs> I know. saw the right. I was wall. like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? You didn't even see that. I didn't see that. I was oh, like, shit. I said, what are you, what, what are you talking about? No, they give me six months off. They want to give me six months off. I want to fight it. And he's like, he's like, Suresh, they're not trying to give you six months off. They're trying to fire you. And I can assure you of that. I said, well, how can you be so sure? And he said, because right now I'm working on a case of two officers who were dealing heroin out of their patrol car on duty in uniform. And their agency is not looking to give them six months off. What the fuck? And I was like, oh, I was like clueless. I was ignorant. I was like, what? wait, what? See, that blows my mind because I can't even fathom a department that would tolerate and i've never seen a department tolerate that type of behavior dealing heroin yeah out of the patrol car in uniform <laughs> to me that's like some like training day type shit right like that it's not even yeah. real that's yeah. not even real you a wolf or you a sheep yeah <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> i was like he said that to me i was like what that happens that's real like are you kidding he's like Yes. What in the fuck? He's like, so if you're looking at six months off for what you just told me, they want to fire your ass. Listen, if you're a cop out there and you're dealing heroin, quit. Stop doing that shit. Yeah. You're making us look bad. Come on, man. Don't do that shit. Go eat some donuts. What are you dealing heroin for? Oh, my God. It's crazy. I'm I'm offended you called me a phony, by the way. That was a full blow. Okay. So here's a, this is a good story. This is a good story. So I'm on my way here. It's like a hundred and like 20 degrees out. I'm starving and I'm heading to a podcast called two cops, one donut. So, and I just happened to pass a donut shop. It looks closed. Cause I think we're like in like the Bible belt here. So every, yeah. everything I passed was closed. So I couldn't even get food on the way here and I'm starving. And those who know me know, I'm like always eating. And so I was like, Oh, I passed a donut shop. I was like, so in my mind, like don't come to a home empty handed or don't go to a business meeting empty handed, always present something. So I, you know, my mom taught me. So I was like, I'm going to stop and pick up. Donuts. I'm like, wait a second. It's two cops, one donut. He has to have donuts. <laughs> so I, I, so I was stopped for the record. I was stopped at a red light, a very long red light. And I texted Eric. I was like, Hey, do you have donuts? Cause I was like, if right, the next, if not, then, you know, the next place I'm going to stop, I'm going to pick up donuts. But I'm thinking he's got donuts. Yeah. And he, he responds. He's like, no, but I got these fake toy donuts. I'm like, you're a fraud. I said, you're a fraud, a real 
donut podcast would have actual donuts I that we know. could we could sit here and sip whiskey or sip bourbon and have a and donut. Eat donuts. You yeah. know what? Maybe I will. I'll start making that a tradition. Maybe, I mean, I needed perspective. Nobody ever really uh, pushed that on me, but maybe I'll start having donuts for people that show up here. One of my because I, I did give you donuts. They're right next to your water bottle. I gave you, I oh. gave you, I gave you some swag. Oh, is this the swag? Yeah, yeah, oh, that's I thought all this yours. Was part of the scene. No, 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 that's all yours. Oh, yeah, nice. I like this. this yeah, is good. This it's is not good. bad for it's you know swag for a cop. You know, it's about the best I can do. <laughs> Real donut. No, we're gonna get you proper here. We gotta get some stuff going. We get some two two one B stuff here and stuff like that. Hell yeah! But like, so to to I could just wear the dry vest with no shirt on. That's like that's what you wear on Saturday night anyway, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I just do the podcast. I'm like, hey, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Eric Levine, Cosmo Donut. Uh, you will notice I'm wearing fishnet. It's not fishnet. That's dry vest. Saturday night, baby. That's what. That's how it goes. You should. You should. When you like game one day, just just turn on the camera and yeah. just be wearing that. Yeah. And don't say anything. I won't. Just don't even say anything. I won't. Yep. You be like, okay. what's up? I'm gonna do it. Yeah. What's up? I'll Pe- do it. And just wait until someone yeah. says, "Let me tan a little bit," because I don't want to blind people. Yeah, I'm very white. Yeah, I'm but you have how are you white when you have like a Hawaiian? What is that? Bigfoot? Yeah, that's Bigfoot. Is that Bigfoot? It's, yeah, sure? it's a Bigfoot drinking a martinis. Oh, and a volcano. Yeah, yeah there's drinking, a there's yeah. a lot going on with yeah, that shirt. He's right drinking. Now. He's drinking martinis. That's a lot going on. I'm a I'm a huge Hawaiian shirt guy. I love them. Now that being said, I do the polar opposite. Generally speaking, now that I'm in Texas, it took about 10 years, but I completely have absorbed the Western wear. I wear the jeans with the cowboy boots and the plaid shirt with the cowboy hat. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I just, I just have embraced it. I've, I've adapted the culture. I love it. Is that where you wear you when you go to the stockyards? Yes, big belt buckle, all the shit. So I wear that. Yeah, I'm completely fake cowboyed up. I gotta wear that one day when I go out with you. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll get you. We'll get you swagged out. It's a shit. It's gonna be a costume for me, but it, for it's you, a it's a costume your for out. me too. I'm a fake cowboy. <laughs> These people know. They're like this point fucker. He what's he know? Yeah. I everything I've learned is from these southern boys. They taught me what to wear. So I I got a big belt buckle that says Texas and it's got a Texas Longhorn on it. No kidding. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's the only you know I bought it on Amazon. <laughs> that's what oh I my! But God. yeah, I wear the cowboy wear. But when I'm not, when I'm comfortable, when I'm wearing my comfortable stuff, yeah, Hawaiian shirt. Hawaiian shirt all day long. No kidding. All day long. That's so cool, yeah. man. There's a company, um, an officer, I think it's called Rad, R-A-D, okay. maybe R-A-D-D, but um, he's a cop, I think out of Florida, he makes Hawaiian shirts, and instead of like the traditional patterns, it's a, like it's got a Glock with a pineapple, or it's got, you oh. know, an Uzi with a, a palm tree, or something to that effect, it's all, it's just gun oriented, no, okay. and it's the traditional like, 1980s neon like everything like oh, yeah real gaudy yeah real gaudy yeah and uh i love it i haven't bought one personally yet because he just started i was kind of waiting for him to get his inventory ready um i really don't have an excuse i need to buy one i told him i was going to i'm gonna have him on the show eventually but uh i just i'm a hawaiian shirt guy i love hawaiian shirts so i see this guy i get to talking to him he's a cop he's got this you know no, just like kidding. you a little Trying to get his little side hustle going for, yeah. for a, you know, obviously a market that he sees. I'm a cop. I love Hawaiian shirts, so I'm gonna get one of his shirts. That's amazing. Yeah. You yeah. should do it. And I cool. like and I like that you're promoting other 
like yeah. cop brands why like to, not yeah because like why not like who else is yeah. gonna promote us you know i promote other podcasts i don't care if i think it's good you're not taking anything away from me this world's way too big for me to sit there and think that you're taking something out i don't make money from this you ain't taking anything out of my mouth yeah all you yeah yeah, yeah. All yeah. You, so like left of, i just had a podcast called left of greg Mm-hmm. That was that they are a podcast. One of one of them, which was a former police officer out of Detroit area, and the other one is a, a prior Marine Corps sniper, and they do um, behavioral science for use of force. It's fucking brilliant. Really, these guys talk about all the indicators are there. If you're not a person that knows how to talk to people, mm-hmm. then you need to focus on behavioral science, the body language, the body language, yeah. the things, the indicators these people are giving you before you ever even have a conversation and you can prevent a lot of stuff. And I agree with them. Yeah. And they, the, their training allows you to learn how to articulate all the things that happen. If you do happen to get in use of force and the indicators you had that you couldn't explain before nobody, it's one of the biggest problems with police workers. We're not really given the articulation tools on being able to explain. And this is a general sense. Some departments are spot on but others aren't but you know the indicators you would see oh the guy i could see his jaw clenching i could see he dropped his right foot back behind him Mm -hmm. subtly these are things you don't catch on video yeah if you don't know to look for he was pumping his fist this is a big one you see this shit oh yeah yeah they start yeah and the fist ready yeah or they're looking around they're either looking around for an area to run or they're looking around to see is there anybody else here that's going to witness me assault this cop? Yeah. So these are things that we look for that we're not taught to articulate necessarily. So that I love that they point this stuff out and they're very good at, um, they're very fun to listen to. So left of Greg podcast, I'm giving you guys a shout out. Just had them on Great. left of left of Greg instead left of, of left of boom. boom. Yes. Which you've yeah, heard of. And these guys, they've been deployed overseas several times, both from oh, our prior wow. military, um, uh, Brian being a prior sniper, um, he, he opened my eyes. I never realized this, but when they would go overseas, most of their job, when they got, you know, past the wire, um, beyond the wire, however you want to call it, um, their job was just to watch body language. They didn't really, they weren't pulling the trigger. They were oh. watching body language and calling in, Hey, this guy, he's been standing out here and he's checking his phone. He's not looking to get a car ride. He's not looking to do this. He's not looking to do that. He's a person of interest. We need to pay more attention to him. So let's get him snagged up or put him on a watch list or whatever, because his behavior out here yeah. is not typical. He's somebody we need to pay attention to. Wow. So that's wild. Yeah. So you get that perspective. And then you got um, Greg, who's uh, the other portion of the show left of Greg. Um, he's the behavioral science, like, expert and he talks about his perspective as a cop learning body language learning all these different indicators and stuff and preventing these issues and it's not just from a cop perspective one of the big things that i see in his training would be um domestic violence victims Mm. i think that would be i think what he has to bring to the table yes he's going to help cops but i think he could help domestic violence victims 10 times over no kidding yeah wow yeah i think Stuff like that. So that's the kind huge. of training people like departments need and people. Need. Yeah. Wow. That's cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, and yeah. this is what I love about this podcast, dude, is I'm learning things that I hadn't considered because of the show. Down. Left of Greg. Yeah. They left to, of Greg. Check them out. Channel? Yeah. 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 Le- everything's called left of Greg podcast. Okay. So we're talking, um, Facebook, uh, 
Instagram. I love that. Um, and their company. Let, I'll pull it up because I don't want to. I don't want to butcher it. I know it's kind of a weird, weird name. Um, it's something Arcadia. Let me find it. I like to give everybody their their due diligence here. Um, Arcadia Cognorati. What? Yeah, send that to me. I can't. So, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to write that down. Let me. Oh, I just shut my phone off. That's how it's spelled. No kidding. Oh, pretty yeah. phonetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, and, and I will. I'll send it to you. But um, yeah, they're they're great guys. Um, yeah. They did the show. We just did that. It's the latest podcast I released. So if you get a chance to listen to that one, it's great. I don't do much talking. Really? Yeah. It was kind of interesting to have a fellow podcaster. On. On, because they, they just ran with it. They can carry yeah, a conversation. Yeah, it was great. It was That's really awesome. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. I'll have to listen to yeah. that. Yeah. But um, we are at three hours and 45 minutes, brother. Man, I got to get on a plane. I know. I got to get on a plane. It's 6.52. Man, yeah, I got to get on a plane. <laughs> this is this is why I need my private plane. I, yeah. I know. I flew here commercial this time, and I'm like, <laughs> fucking commoner. And I know I'm a commoner. Yeah. <laughs> I flew first class, but I was like, ah, but I got to Yeah, I got to get, yeah. I got to, I got to. I look at a beautiful man like you and I expect first class. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> You know, I give you so much oh shit. Oh my God. Oh. Bro, I am patrol at heart, man. I, I spent it. my whole career on patrol and, you know, 221B, the gear, the success, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like. I, I would still, if you gave me the opportunity, I would get in a patrol car and like get on the interstate and try to like find drugs and guns. And Hell yeah. That's like the, that's the, that's the love. Once you, you know, you could take the guy yeah. out of it, but yeah. once I've done it, you know. That's I'm, the other part I like about you. You're like, I've, I've busted his ball since day one. I have busted a hundred percent and he's always been game. He's given it back. So, um, it, that's how I, that's how I knew you, he was a good dude. Oh man! Because uh, you 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 always been able to 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 roll with the punches despite your Fortune 500 company. So absolutely, uh, absolutely. What do the people it. need to know about you to find you now, bud? Uh, you know, everywhere two two one B tactical. Uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, which both are just horrible because uh, they're anti anyone that supports police or you still know. got Rumble. Uh, we're doing more Rumble now. All of yeah. our videos are on Rumble. YouTube, of course, is our main. Yep. But we're on Rumble now. I think the team is going to start doing some stuff on Parlor and some other stuff, and um, but my personal on Instagram is Suresh Actual, and there's links to my Facebook there where I'll be doing some more of like speaking about some of the you know current event stuff and some other stuff. I'll be taking that away from the business page and putting it on the personal page, kind of like what uh, Dave Portney did with uh, Barstool Sports. You know, he's you know, separated some of what his personal stuff he's doing from Barstool Sports with to his personal page, you know. So uh, just doing that. And, yeah, man, just trying to keep bringing people the truth and the facts and the, you know, the reality of what we're dealing with in everyday life. And then also, you know, on, you know, pulling pulling the curtain aside. And the book is going to be a very big deal when it comes to pulling the curtain. You know, there's going to be a lot of people upset. There's be a lot of people upset. But you know what? Watch your actions. Yeah. Just watch your actions because you know what, during that, there's a lot, there's a lot of people I worked with for 13 years, a lot, the majority that are not going to be in the book, that there's no stories about them. That's because they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And it goes back to the body camera thing. If you don't do anything wrong, you have nothing to worry about. Yeah. You know, if you did nothing wrong, 
during the time that I was there for the 13 years, then you have nothing to worry about. However, if you, you did, you're going to be on Audible. And you're going to yeah. be on a Amazon, on the book. And it's going to be out there. Yeah. And people are going to see the video of you doing things that your family and your wife probably don't really want to see. Yeah. And that is the, you, you got to deal with the consequences of that decision. Yep. That's and it, it. And if police want to get credibility. You got to act accordingly. Yeah. These are the things that we need to call act, out. Act accordingly, you know, because people are looking at you to live at a higher standard. Yep. You know, so act accordingly. Yeah. And for people who are like, well, well, some of this stuff involves like what they were doing off duty. And you, you know, you're calling people out for stuff they're doing. They did off duty. You know, well, I got threatened with six months off and termination for something that happened to me off duty. That had nothing to do with your own actions. That had nothing to do with my own actions and, you know, that I didn't do with someone else's actions. So if those people that are named in the book have a problem with it, then they should have stepped forward when what was happening to me was happening to me. And said, hey, yeah. Hey, hold it. He had nothing to do with it. This is all me. Yeah. You know, but I was, you know, cleaning bathrooms and doing painting walls and spackling walls and being treated like a complete slave in my department. And they all saw it and they did nothing. Damn. Yeah. Cleaning bathrooms, painting and walls. It, and I can vouch, you are not a race guy. Like, no. It's not, your, it's not your character. I'm the guy who says, listen, yeah. you could tell me all you want about black people not being able to make it in this country. I am the one who made it. So tell me how I made it. Yeah. Tell me how I threw all the adversity I dealt with. Straight up racism. Straight up trying to be fired from a job for the color of my skin. Yeah. Tell me how I made it. If I made it, don't tell me anyone in this country with black skin can't make it. If you want it bad enough, you can make it. Mm -hmm. If you don't want it and you want something handed to you and you want to tell a story, well, then you're not going to make it. Yeah. So that's the whole premise of the book of how you make, how you get through. You get through despite all the things that are allegedly against you. And then the, some of the things that are really against you. I've dealt with both and I was able to overcome both. And, you know, talk to Jay-Z, talk to anyone, anyone of color who's made it big and go tell them to their Fidenza Washington, any of the famous black athletes, tell them they got lucky. Yeah. Tell them that, America is a racist country, and the only reason they're where they are is because they got lucky. Tell them to their face. Yeah. What's going to happen? They're going to spit in yours. Yeah. Because it's not about luck. It's about how bad do you want it. doesn't matter. Black, white, Asian, male, female, trans. doesn't matter. How bad do you want it? Yeah. And if you want it bad enough, you'll get it, and there is no excuse. Yeah. Assuming what you're bringing to the table is worth wanting yeah that's the other part some people don't want to admit like what you're trying to bring to the table is is garbage isn't real yeah, yeah. so reset and find something else yeah. you know but um so yeah that's it man this has been awesome man i appreciate you coming out brother man i love it yeah. i love it thanks, thanks for, for having coming me out, man. thanks for having me and thanks for the thanks for the adult beverage no problem <laughs>